What's up, everybody? My name is Brazil, and welcome to my podcast. Today's guest is somebody who I've seen his work online for years now, and it's really inspiring me because he is a multi-talented artist. He is a music artist. He is a photographer. He is a music video director. He is an entrepreneur. He's just a creative dude who I think is so prolific, and I think it's so early in the stage. He's already done so much greatness, but I feel like I'm talking to somebody who's going to be doing major, major shit eventually, and um, I'm excited to be at this part of your career so we can actually become friends before you're too big to talk to me. No way. No way. This is Mr. Eyes. How are you? I'm doing good, man. How are you? Thank you so much for that intro. Yeah, no problem, man. I, I really mean what I say, um, and, and I kind of started when I said that. His name is Eyes, created by Eyes. You can check him out online. Um, something about the way you create taps back to my roots. Mm. My roots come from uh, making skate videos and making music videos in Chicago and in the East Coast. Yeah, shout and out And that whole street culture of just blending styles and just making weird, cool art mm -hmm. is something that I came from. And I think being out here in LA, I've done so much like commercial type work that it feels like I've gotten away from that. And gotcha. when I see you having art galleries and making custom skateboards and then directing a music yeah. video for, you know, Janae Aiko the next week and then dropping your own stuff the, f the next week and then having an art gallery and then having a kickball tournament. Yeah. You're like a very <laughs> prolific guy. Where, where does this all come from? Uh, man, honestly, I think my spirit just has always been one of wanting to do, I won't say everything, but just doing what it is I want to do uh, creatively. Like, since I was a little kid, like... My parents kind of allowed me to be, I guess, weird. Mm -hmm. But my weird was like, I wanted to design roller coasters at 10. Me too. Fire. I used to watch the Discovery Channel specials about roller coasters. Yeah, uh, Thrills, Chills, and Spills. Yes. Yeah, yes. Discovery Channel. That's hilarious. Uh, I used to research like companies like Intamin, uh, Bollinger and Malingard. I believe that's their name. Yes. And, that's uh, crazy. Yeah, just designing them from like a very complex level. I was in, in like junior engineering courses and things like that really but it was yeah from that to i don't know like yeah my dad was really big film buff okay. so uh i was in school plays i was also like making weird like video clips but not with real cameras but like with our camcorder at yeah. home i was always capturing the family video so i don't know it's just uh it's expansive i think it's maybe developed as we've gotten older and into a a world where creativity is actually actually matters yeah. Where maybe I started doing so many things. Like the music is only recent, right? Really? That's only since January, February 2020. Really? Yeah. The music is recent? Mm hmm It feels so natural. What made you get into it? I feel like, bro, I feel like I always wanted to do it. But mm -hmm. I, we grew up in church, so I was always with choirs, grew up singing in church, but not... Me, I never did the choir. I was never in church. Like everyone said, yeah, I started singing in church because it was part of the choir. Yeah, I'm in the pews, so I'm, I'm still like, you know, a consumer in it. But uh, right, honestly, when it went to a place, I think during the pandemic, I was like, I want to do everything that is I like to do and give it a try. But I also I had heard some people around me say, yeah, you have, hey, you have a decent voice. I hear you sing under your breath, like. You seem like you have soul to you. I'm like, yeah, maybe it's the church in me. Maybe it's like <laughs> how he was raised or anything. But yeah, I don't know where I decided I'm going to do it. I made a very firm decision after kind of like finding my voice and hanging around studios, right? Had you ever made beats before or anything like that? No, nah, but I've been in everybody's studio. Okay. So starting in 2015, I've been doing 
probably, you know, everyone's music video or video content for the last like seven years. Right. So I've watched people record every which kind of way, R&B, hip hop, country pop, K-pop. You got to absorb it mm -hmm. with the creators. And watch them and having footage, like we're editing, right? Yeah. So I'm seeing over and over again as I'm editing everyone's footage, like what's making them tick. We're hearing all the dialogue in the room. We hear right. the energy. We're literally editing the energy of these sessions. Yeah. Um, these tours, the, or I'm in the room creating. The what was moment. the first artist you worked with? The first like major artist you did visuals for? Hmm. Tanache. Okay. Mm -hmm. What'd you do with her? I was a creative director or creative assistant to a director on set for her video called uh, Baited Breath. How'd you get that job? Like, how does one go about doing that? I think it was really random for me. Um, there was a photographer that I was, I had a booth at his event. Okay. And a director had walked up to me during that event and saw that I had, because uh, I'm like, I'm always doing something. Yeah. I had a hat brand at the time. Okay. And I had made the video content of the hat brand and it was like up behind me, playing on a projector. And so he said, these are your hats? Yeah. Who made the video? I was like, oh, I, I shot and edited. He was, yo, I gotta talk to you. Join my you know, creative agency, do my, mm -hmm. do my content with me, inform me, mm -hmm. and uh, I'll show you the ropes. Yeah. So within a month or two of kind of hanging out and having these little meetings, he said, hey, I got a gig for you on set. We're going out to the desert, going out to uh, Fossil Falls, middle of California desert and uh, with this artist, but I can't tell you anything. And uh, it ended up being, yeah, a Tanache, very small independent video, but it was really cool. First experience doing anything music video wise. And since then, like what has happened in your video production? Everything. Um, I've gotten to do everything from music videos, obviously from, you know, Migos and Drake, Walk It, Talk It, I shot that. Then everything with Janae. What about that one? How did that one come about? Mm, that, I think, that came from doing uh, the video Sativa for Janae and uh, Ray Schremer. Okay. So I think at, I think we dropped that in January okay. of 18. And my mentor, Daps, shout out Daps. Uh, my boy Daps, he ends up DMing me. Or no, he ends up liking a picture. I DMed him immediately. Mm -hmm. It was like, hey, thank you for even noticing anything. Yeah, yeah. Whatever I can do to work on your sets, I'm ready to do it. And the first thing he had me come on to was that. So he, I thought I was going to watch him, right? So I literally, I said, yo, bro, I just want to be by your side and just see how everything works. Nah, he had me write the treatment with him. For a walk it. Walk it, talk it. Yeah, yeah. Then the treatment got picked up and accepted by the label. Uh-huh. And we had two days to build the set. I didn't know I was going to be allowed to set because I didn't know how dense my role was, right? Sure. Uh, he calls me day before saying, hey, do you want to come to set? Would love to, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> uh, it's my favorite song on that album. And yeah, it's, yeah. It's Drake and Migos, come on. Of course. Um, when I arrived, he asked me, you know, everything's going crazy on set. You got production design, building this Soul Train set from scratch. Right. Where they only had a 24-hour heads up. Right. Um, you have camera crew loading in crane. You have disco dancers and actors, people on roller skates everywhere. And in this fever pitch, he asked me, hey, can you, do you write, like, script? <laughs> and I'm like, you don't, but don't say don't. I do. <laughs> and he goes, perfect. Jamie Foxx is being casted. He's going to be here in an hour. I need you to write something for his bit. Wow. I'm like, all right, cool. Um, that, for me, was enough. 
I would have been satisfied writing a sentence or two for an actor in anything. Yeah, I mean, Jamie Foxx is. I'm straight. Yeah. <laughs> I'm cool. Uh, while I'm writing it, uh, he looks at me and goes, I need to talk to you in a second. Don't forget. I'm like, okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I send it to him. He goes, oh, this works. It's good. Change this up. Change this up. By the way, do you shoot? <laughs> you shoot, right? I'm like, yeah, why? He goes, cool. We only have a crane operator. You can do the uh, beta Sony camera down there. I need you to be the on hand. I need you to get my whip pans. Can you do that? I'm like, where's the camera operator that was for this job? This is the biggest thing yeah. ever. He goes, Did it, it fell through. You can shoot, though. I'm like, yes, I can shoot. And that's how it happened. Wow. Just like that. He just randomly walks by and throws me into the fire with no regard. But I guess that's God working because there was no rhyme or reason for it, honestly. That's a great example of how we shouldn't limit ourselves mm -hmm. and our identity just because we haven't done something before. Nobody's an astronaut until they go to space. Right. Like at some point, you have to jump on the ship and just go. Facts. Dang. You know? And it's so amazing that you took that opportunity. Did somebody teach you that? Or was that just something you just felt like it was the right thing to do? Like, did you have a mentor that taught you that kind of a mindset? My parents are very good at seizing opportunity. Yeah. Uh, I feel like they never allowed me to pass up anything good. I was, you know, whether it was programs to actually like excel myself, like an international baccalaureate program and uh, middle school through high school, they're like, you should join, that challenges me. Um, some of us, a lot of us grew up playing sports, right? So yeah. when we get to a high level of like travel basketball, pushing me to take opportunity to join a higher level team that's gonna travel farther and play against higher level competition. Never had like a fear really of going, going for it or being like put into situations. Nervous, yes. Sure. Very often unsure, yes. But I think the thrill of it is something I want more than the fact of not seeing my own abilities in a space. Especially when you have the opportunity in front of you. Mm -hmm. We can all say theoretically what we might or might not do if we had an opportunity. Right. But when you're in the industry, it's not very linear. You know, like if you want to be a doctor, there's a path, right? You know you have to spend X amount of years in school. Right and there. then, you know, you're going to be in debt and it's going to take a while mm -hmm. until you can finally open up your thing, right? But in the creative world, there's no, there's no path. So free, freelance, willy-nilly, wild, wild west out here. Yeah. Did you always know this is what you wanted to do? Mm-mm. Um, not at all. This is, it started at, what, 24? Create, creative anything? Really? What were mm -hmm. you doing before that? What was we, your life pre-creative work? I dropped out of Arizona State at 21, and then I did credit repair, real estate, I sold homeopathic medicine, and then I also worked retail. I worked uh, at Nordstrom. Nordstrom was my last nine to five job, and I started shooting photography while I was working at Nordy's. Wow. Mm -hmm. If you, if I would have came up to you in high school and said, "Hey, you're going to be a music video director," what would you have said? I would honestly said, "Yo, I really love music videos," but I, I would probably tell you, I think I'd be dancing in it. Yeah. Yeah. Just off of, because we were all dancing in school at that time, like yeah. crumping or battling. So that would have been my initial response was that shows how limited my thinking was. Dancing is not my skill set. And <laughs> nor would that have been what I ideally would put myself in right. a situation. But that's what I would have said to you. Like, ah, no way. Director? I'm like, Hype Williams? Yeah. How do you? No, I'd be like, no, maybe, I don't know, like acting. Because we did theater. I was like, don't see 
me doing music right whatsoever or directing music videos not at all being a photographer i took a photo class in high school because it was summer school right you know the old school you know dark room way developing black and white photography but that was because i had to i didn't feel passion same they put me in one of those in school too it was Mm -hmm. it felt so old school i mean it was nice to understand how it worked but it wasn't uh, that exciting never would have thought it was going to be like the future of what we're doing i thought oh we're gonna do business or we're gonna like own something i thought i was gonna be a pharmacist through college so there you go wow it goes to show that you never know what's mm-hmm. around the corner in the next chapter of life right what do you think is in the next chapter of your life honestly first of all it seems like we're gonna have both a physical world and a virtual world yeah so based on that future i honestly see i feel right now bro we have the ability to attack every frontier because creativity has had its bounds like kind of broken based on what we're getting with augmented virtual yeah. reality um the means with the means for i should say us having all these platforms where we can express our creativity it's like now if you want to create a movie you can mm-hmm. if you want to drop an ep you can if you want to create digital art and have people walk into your art gallery while having an oculus on you can yeah all of things of which i'm doing so i expect a lot out of myself in the next like several years creating like art on a very high scale dropping a lot of music is there any one art that you enjoy making more than the other currently like right now which one gives you the most pleasure i would say neither does over the other music to me right now i've discovered that it is much more connected to self because you can immediately have god move and speak through you like in a moment, at the moment. Yeah. Film, I can be inspired by a story that is very deep to me. Right. And I want to express a message, but for me to execute that and all the components that go with it, logistics that keep it either from or towards being executed. Right. It's so much in the middle. Yeah. But a song, you can look into somebody's eyes and sing to yeah. them immediately and say, you know what, I, I need to go record this. Yes. You can go record that right now. And those feelings are actually still happening in real time. Yeah, it feels a lot more personal. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 we have a lot of parallels. I was just talking with uh, Yanni about this earlier that I love filmmaking, right? Like I love the art of making images and all that. It's the best. But I thought, okay, um, like if I were to die next year and you were to look at my art, does it say anything about me? Mm. And I thought, but before this podcast, not really. Mm-hmm. I think it shows that I'm good at capturing other people's projects and I have fun doing it and I enjoy it. Like, it's not like I don't like it. Like, I love doing it, but it's not me. Like, you can't tell who I am based on my videos. You can just tell that I had an eye for something at that project, wow. you know? And that's why I started this podcast. And eventually, you know, I can do other things as well. But I wanted to create something that felt like it was my vibe, my frequency. Like you said, God coming through, right? Like, I'm looking into your eyes right now. Right. And I told you, we, we don't have a plan. I have no idea what we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. We've actually never even met in person. Correct. This is just our first time, so I'm really just and connecting a good time with at that. you. Thank you, you know? for it. I'm thankful for it. Yeah, I thought like, you know, when I have kids one day, if they look back at my art, like what would be a good thing to show them? It's like, wow, what if they could see their dad talking to his friends? You know what I mean? Like imagine if, if I had that of my mom or my dad, if I could see my dad when he was 30 talking to his friends, like yeah. what was he thinking about? 
You know, like That's deep. what, That's what was beautiful. his perspective? I feel like it's a nice gift, even though it's not like a big production. Mm-hmm. It's not like the big movie I'm gonna make one day. This feels like a personal art for me to do. It's yeah. fulfilling. Yeah, it feels present. It's amazing. That's good. You hit. You hit that. Yeah, that was good. Seeing, I think the generational thing that you just spoke about having our children see something of us, mm-hmm. right? Because I think filmmaking content creation, creative direction, sometimes depending on where you are in the choreographing space, a lot of people that are behind the scenes, your your name gets limited depending upon, actually the bigger the work is, the more smaller your name is in the fonts and in the credits of like <laughs> yeah. 700 other visual supervisors, uh, visual effects supervisors, right? Yeah. For a Marvel flick, right? Sure. It's thousands of names. And it's amazing that it's such a selfless act because these, thousands, hundreds of people have to come together to create a picture and you don't know who they are. Yeah. So it's interesting. You can tell your children like, hey, I did I had a job on that. But sooner or later he's like, I want an art for myself where it is directly attached to my being, my likeness or my voice or something. Right. Yeah. For my for my children. And then for anybody, your family, and then just generations of people that might want to have been inspired by you thereafter. Right. Yeah. Is music the first thing that was your personal art? Or did you have other projects before that felt personal to you as the music? Oh, my, my photography always was personal. Okay. So I never shot like BS, I would say. Okay. So I always like shot emotional, captivating, like cinema, cinematic like landscapes or people living in certain situations. Like I remember I went to uh, Jakarta and did a whole like photo series. Where's like, that? Indonesia. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I shot like uh, kids and families in the slums, right? In paper mill factories, you know, in schools. Like, and to me, how'd you go of, upon doing that? Did you just randomly say I want to go to India and shoot kids? It was in the during slums? tour. Okay, it was okay. during tour. Okay. But I, wherever I go, I usually was captured. I'm capturing. Yeah. The real or like the good looks of it. Like, oh, I want to create like art in this place. I want to shoot this place. I want to shoot a. I like architecture a lot, so I shoot a lot. My diversity was like I liked, I had a lot of art that was personal, picture-wise. Do you shoot a lot mm-hmm. of stuff on your phone for social media? A lot, most of it. Did you ever have a time where you didn't? Yes. And it when, was up until recent. When and how did you transition into actually doing? Because I find myself forgetting to take photos and capture things for social media because I'm so present. But then I'm like, oh, but I actually probably should take some photos of it for memory's sake or to tell a story or whatever. Right. And then I, I have this back and forth battle where it's like I, I put so much work creating productions yep. that when I'm in a moment, I'd rather live it than capture it. But then I'm like, fuck. But social media is important, so I should capture it, you know? But is it? I think it's as important as you make it. Correct. That's all I wanted you to say. You know, I think um, my it's a good... I think it depends on the perspective I have on it, right? Mm-hmm. If I'm doing it to flex, it feels weird. But when I have a person in mind mm-hmm. that I want to see that which I'm posting, changes it. You know what I mean? I feel that. Like, you know, it's kind of like, okay, like, like when you're that. single and a girl's following you or when you're like an artist and like, and like a client, somebody that you want to work with starts following you, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, they're looking at my I'm stuff turning, now. Yeah, you're like turning like, up. Hmm, hmm, yeah. You know, so it's The like, content starts shifting. Yeah, you mm-hmm. know, or I guess now I'm trying to think of it more as like, let me save uh, memories to show my mom. Or my grandma. What if she was the only one watching my story? How would I show it? Yep. How would I share with her the life? You know. So when I have that in mind, 
I post more. Gotcha. But otherwise, I don't. That makes sense. That makes you know? sense. Like I um, I forget that there's a deeper version of it. I think sometimes I get caught up in the belief of being like, nah. I'm a, I live real life. I don't need social media. Yeah. But then it's like, but at the same time, I'm on social media fucking ten hours a day. So maybe I should post. Right. More, you know. I, I feel like um, initially 2013, 14, 15, I was using my phone. Then I end up using that camera, right? Right. To create content. Now it's camera, camera, camera. Then up until recently, where every the algorithms, the formats, they work best, even emotionally, like quality of picture people don't want to see something shot even if it is vertical on a dslr even they don't they prefer that it looks like they could have shot it on their phone mm -hmm. a la tiktok yeah. a la reels where now the largest expanding content is vertical and on the phone even more heavily now than stories themselves yeah so i had a gentleman sharon barber he's a really big uh, fashion designer but he's a revolutionary and i believe in how to attack content because yeah. he was the first person to tell me, like, everybody's on their phone, so why are you so worried about capturing it on devices that are not that? People with that tenths of seconds that they have to pay attention to whatever it is that you want to showcase, they're most likely going to see it like this and probably not like this. He said, you better start shooting vertical. And I'm like, no, there yeah. will not be vertical content. I said, they will not adapt. This is me personally. And I'm a very revolutionary person in how I think or progressive in how I move but I didn't think it was going to be that far blown and now it's people are making revolutions right for landscape for 16 by 9 people are saying we got to bring back like mm -hmm. not posting pictures in a certain format or 5 by 4 but if you do the speed at which the eye catches that on the social media platforms is halved or thirded right you want to take up space as they're scrolling as they're scrolling if I have it here it's a third so instead of three tenths of a second, they have a tenth of a second to be like interested. Yeah. And if we're ultimately doing this to sell or to woo a client, yeah, it seems like it has to be more vertically engaging. How would you describe yourself? I always say the word visionary, but I think it's only because I'm allowing myself, it's not just what I see. I'm really allowing myself to see how other people see. And then I ingest that and help them either regurgitate their vision or my vision as how I see it now, more adapted. So like a prism, light going in, light spread out, or all colors coming in, streamline that to one single light going this way, but either way. This is why I wanted to have him on the podcast. <laughs> I, I knew that we would vibe on this stuff. It's funny, I literally have a poster in my room from the seminar I went to, and one of the things it says is, I am a visionary. Like it literally, yeah, and that's why I was talking yeah. about before that so many of my projects have been my interpretations of other people's ideas, right? Dancers come to me with a concept video. Most artists come to me with already kind of a treatment for their songs, right? And I hear it, I listen to it, I'm like, mm, okay, and then I tweak it and then give it my zhuzh. Right there, you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. It's like um, it's like this energy that wants to manifest through me when there are certain projects that I want to make happen. It feels like like creativity to me is almost like a Wi-Fi code and sometimes we're we're tapped into it. Mm. It's almost like these files that want to be downloaded, you know? Like your next album already exists here. Yeah. And it's it, it's seeding itself to you in the form of a desire, in the form of inspiration, in the form of jealousy or Talk whatever. That. Talk you know? That. 
and then it triggers us to then act on it and then we give birth to that idea. I really feel that way. Like some, like that's why sometimes I hear songs and it feels like the second the song starts playing for the first time, I feel like I already know that song. I'm yeah. like, yes. Yeah. It's like, you, I can tell when a song is gonna be great. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can just tell it that whoever that artist is tapped into that sacred geometry of that pattern. You can just feel it in you the first eight it. bar. I got goosebumps under this jacket. That was fire. Who's your favorite artist? Okay, okay, not favorite artist. Okay, let's put it this way. Give me five artists musically that you really like. They don't have to be music, your top five. Music. Music artists that you okay. personally enjoy nowadays. Like in the last 48 hours, like what would be tracks that like you relate to right now? I would artists? say right now, honestly, Frank Ocean never leaves. Mm. He never leaves the rotation. So... Frank, uh, I'm Frank Ocean has Chanel, right? That song, see, yeah, that's funny. I was just and everything else. I was listening to his Endless project. He has a project uh, that never really came out, out. Yeah, but Endless is ridiculous. But uh, you should look that up if you can. Frank Ocean, Let's Endless. Add that to the playlist. Yeah, add that one. Uh, Frank Ocean, I feel really connected to. Also, the weekend as of recent, what he dropped with the Dawn FM. I haven't I, heard the whole album. How do you like it? I like it. And I'll say it like that. I like it. It's cool. I've saved seven records off of it. Okay. Mm -hmm. But the ones I like, because he has a lot of uh, certain synths that are like Quincy Jones mm. sounds, which triggers, you know, the Michael Jackson vibe. So he's really given that. Um, I like those a lot. Playboy Cardi, he's had like the energy all year. Yeah. People understand like, yeah, he created like a, an amazing movement like my friend Nigel Holt, he calls it static. Oh, from and Chicago. Yeah. So he see, used to be Hollywood Holt. He's Hollywood Holt. That's my boy. That's my boy. Uh really, really close friend and mentor to me. He calls it static. And he's like creating a sound or something that's in intentionally off beat to force you onto it because it's that radical. It's that hard. Mm. Like Yeezus. Yes. Now this whole lot of red album by Playboy Cardi is being related to Yeezus number one album. If you're saying that, I need to listen to it. Number one album of Rolling Stone. Hip hop. Number one hip hop album Rolling Stone. Whole lot of red. But it's just when you do listen to it, you're gonna hear like there is a rebellious force that someone is tapped into energy besides themselves. And you're like, wow, okay. That's what it means to almost die to yourself as a creative and just start something new. Do not live in any kind of paradigm. That and he did that. So that makes like, me think of um, Picasso. Mm -hmm. There's this great show on National Geographic called Genius. Have you heard of it? Haven't. It's a narrative show where they do like 10 episodes. These are like movies. They're directed by Ron Howard. Um, the first Word, season was about Ron Albert Ron. Einstein. Okay. And the second season was about uh, Picasso. And it's like people actually playing them. So you see Pablo Picasso when he's a, a kid funny. and when he's an adult, both in the first episode and each episode they keep, the timelines keep meeting and meeting and meeting. And for the first half of Picasso's life, he was just like a freelance artist, just getting hired to paint like other people, hmm. to make it look exactly the way it's supposed to look, or look like Matisse, or look like this person, or look like this person. And he was like a starving artist. Wow, I never knew this. And then one day he decided to rebel. And he was like, no, I'm gonna draw you like how I see you. Like you said, like rebelling off the beat. And he just mm -hmm. started making weird faces, big this and that. Static, like, you know what I'm saying? And that's like, it's so wrong that it's right. It's like a lies. I heard this quote that said, um, art is the lie that tells the truth. Crazy. 
and what you're talking about uh, with a whole lot of red with him rebelling and you compare it to Jesus, that makes me think of the opening track in Jesus on site. Come on. You know, because what you friction. think about where Kanye was before that, right? In Twisted Fantasy, you know, that was him redeeming himself after Taylor Swift. And then he did Twisted Fantasy, right? Which was like melodically perfect. Right. People could say it's one of the best produced hip hop albums ever, in mm -hmm. my opinion. Yes. And then I he, agree. Sh he showed that he could make that perfect. And then the first track on the next album is just friction. It's like, just like the least melodic thing possible. Just to crunched. say, fuck you. Yeah. I'm not going to give you the melody that you want. Yeah. Now what? I love that. I love that. It's that rebellion. Mm -hmm. It's that it's tapping into a real frequency, like you said. Big time. You know, and I think art, great art, and maybe this is the wrong word for it, but I think great art needs to be selfish to the artist, meaning mm -hmm. that if it really is what the artist wants mm -hmm. as put together or not put together, but it feels true to that artist's emotion, then somebody somewhere will relate to it. And to that person, they're gonna be like, yo, you spoke to exactly what I said, you know? Yeah. Otherwise, if you try to please everybody, that. it's not gonna go that deep. I feel that. What's your favorite Kanye album? My Beautiful Dark. Yeah? Yeah, and then... Uh... Late registration. Mm. After that, and then graduation. Really? Then Where would you put? Eight, oh, okay, I was gonna say, what would you put? Eight oh eights. What's your favorite track off of late registration? I know it's hard That's, to say favorite, but what's one that you like admire a lot? Diamonds. Mm. The remix or the OG? OG. Yeah. Cause it's just. And what it's speaking to as a record, the production level of that record, crazy. And let's not talk about the visuals. Insane. There's something about Kanye's music that is like um, alpha superhero energy type of music. You know what I mean? Power. Yeah. No one man should have all that. It's like, yay. Uh -huh. It's like... That's some very, it's some powerful shit, literally. But that's what he makes. I think of Kanye as a representation of chaos and Jay-Z as a representation of order. Having all your ducks in a row. All yes. your, yeah, Having all your shit together. That's Jay-Z. Yes. Having completely buttoned up. Yeah. Business moves and tactics, how to strategizing, yeah. Execution. Cool, calm, collected. Yeah. Godfather type of guy. Yeah. Won't spaz on you, but will send the killers out to get you. To get when you, you meanwhile, yeah. Gay's like, I don't need security. Yeah. And he, and honestly he doesn't. And then that's why you get records like Can't Tell Me Nothing, which we love so much. Yeah. It's an anthem of feeling unstoppable. Yes. In a swaggy way. Yes. In Givenchy. Yes. Whenever um certain artists release new material i feel like it's like a download from the creative heavens mm -hmm. and it gives me energy like when there's a new tarantino movie come on when there's a new spike lee movie mm -hmm. when there's a new jay or kanye record come on a new you, you just gotta see it they demand it it's like a demanding frequency yes mm -hmm. i hear that what frequency do you tap in in your current music hmm Mine? Yeah, yours. Oh. Well, usually, lyrically, I don't embellish. So for me, it's like, if I'm not going to embellish, I can't usually go outside of how I actually feel. Mm. But I feel a lot of things. 
or at least I allow myself to, right? So my music lately, I feel like I've been singing a little less and rapping more, but it's been quite melodic. But I think I'm in a place now where like, and I don't, and I'm actually writing more because at first I was never writing most of my music up until this point, like these last like 15 records, it's like, I didn't really write them down. Right. At all. Like you I freestyled. You were just in the booth and just feeling it. And, and working through the records. Do you like mumble it first? Like, mm -hmm. I'll get then... I'll get a scat or sometimes I just have it and I don't want it to change. I was like, that's whatever I said, like that's it. Within yeah. that mumble or within that scat, like yeah. that's it. But I feel like, yeah, a lot of higher energy like i'm about to release a series right now of mm -hmm. records every single friday for like four or five six fridays in a row called fast fridays oh i like good fridays you know i like good fridays you yeah. see where we're coming from yeah 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 and i feel like with that it's gonna show songs at just a higher tempo at a certain bpm where at least they have a certain amount of drive either they are gonna make you feel like head nods or at least they make you dance mm. or both yeah. But that's something I've been like, I, I felt on like a, a happier, not braggadocious, but very confident and poised frequency right now. What kind of a playlist would your music belong to? Like if you were in a playlist with like five other artists and it was supposed mm -hmm. to all feel like we're in that same vibe, mm -hmm. who would you put? Right now you can put me with Giveon. Mm, I love you can put on. me with uh, if it's like a female like Kiana Lede mm. you can put me next to uh, my boy Cautious Clay Cautious Clay that's Cautious a cool Clay. name <laughs> he's, yeah he's really dope I have some songs that are really sappy right so it's like Pink Sweats okay I can be right next to his playlist okay and on a hip hop vibe I got records where like I feel like I could rock with someone like Jid. Okay. Yeah, like people that are on Dreamville-esque energy. Cause I don't I don't really talk about like ignorant, like stupid shit, but I'm when I'm flowing, it's still coming from a place of like, yeah, it's it's dark, it's it's got energy. You're speaking facts, you live a life, you live a life. You have you know, I'm storytelling. I'm not just talking about flaunting, I'm usually telling a story. And I feel like those are the type of rappers if they're on like that Dreamville out uh, yeah. label. Yeah. Isn't it nice to see the subject matter of hip hop progressing, mm -hmm. right? How it used to be heavy on the ignorant stuff, yeah. right? Even though energetically it felt authentic, I think the artists themselves just hadn't evolved to a certain point yet. Yeah. It's not like they were being inauthentic for the most part. But um, an artist that I thought, I was really surprised at how woke and how good, not woke, not woke how evolved he sounded is gotcha. Big Sean mm -hmm. in his last album, yeah. you know? Um, like he was talking about meditating and not having a bunch of random bitches at the house. It'd be like, mm, your energy's off. You're not feeding into my soul right now, yeah, you know? That's my and he's boy, making that boy. feel yeah. powerful. Mm -hmm. You know, it used to be like, it's either like, yo, I'll fuck your bitch. You know what I mean? Right. Or you're like super kind of whammy pam. You know what I mean? Super conscious or trying to be like anti everything it wasn't like a middle ground yeah you can still have a masculine alpha energy mm -hmm. and and say yeah fuck you i'm about to meditate you know what i mean it's like you can still have True. that like that that stands you can be nasty with a girlfriend yeah exactly you know you can that sense of domination mm -hmm. you can still have it's a masculine sense that we want but you can like dominate the moment by owning your vulnerability 
Correct. He does a good job of that. He's a personal acquaintance of mine through Janae. So yeah. I get to see a lot of his background and his creativity. And we're in the genuine nature of like he is genuine to like, you know, what he's rapping. His character is solid. That's an A1 dude. I saw his Drink Champs interview. Mm -hmm. Have, did you watch it? Yes. I, I really enjoyed it. I did too. And especially uh, to an me extent. being a big uh, fan of Kanye, you know, um, obviously I understand that you can't build up your idols to be like these perfect people. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like everybody still has their drama and their stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. So just removing that from it, what, what I really enjoyed is how Big Sean handled it. He got heated. He got heated. But he but stuck he handled to the it. code. Yes, he did. He still... The code of honor, yeah. a code of self-respect, mm -hmm. a code of saying, hey, I respect you, I'm grateful for you, you helped me out and I really appreciate that, but what you said was some bitch ass shit. Mm -hmm. You know? It's he like not it. being butthurt, but not also pretending like you're not, you know, like it, it was... Um, it was a tough position for him to play though. In my opinion, I felt like it was tough. Very tough. Oh, so awkward, you know? But, but it, it made me love him even more. I was already a big Sean fan, but mm -hmm. it made me just respect his character. Which he has a lot of. Which he has a lot of. So yeah, good. It, it showed in the moment. Yeah. That's how he is, yeah. He's dope. How do you feel about forgiveness? Forgiveness is like... Not, it's, it's so... Because I, I grew up in the church, so I feel like forgiveness is one of the means that you actually can get to heaven. First of all, heaven here and then like life thereafter is forgiveness. Cause forgiveness goes beyond like, hey, a person is like forgiveness itself. And mm. usually when we continue to punish ourselves for something over and over again, you don't let your own failures go. You don't let someone else's failures go. You don't let um, the bad acts that maybe the government do. You don't let anything go. So you don't forgive any act. So what do you do? You just harbor. Mm. And then ultimately you live in a hell on earth because you manifested that for yourself because you couldn't let anything go. So what is attached? What's in the room? Everything that I'm holding on to. Yeah. So forgiveness is the only way I think to live in like a clear room is to let shit go. Truly let it go. Truly. Not just say the words. Don't forget it. Because forgetting means I'm, I'm distracting myself. Like I'm trying to put my forgiving is I'm literally putting it away. It's not in my subconscious. I'm actually allowing it to be. What's helped me forgive is the more I see how imperfect I am. Mm -hmm. Right? Because sometimes you're like, man, if I was in that position, I would never do that. Right. And then you get a big thing and then you fuck up too. You're like, oh, man. I'm just like that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and you start realizing that people are doing the best they can with what they have. Mm -hmm. You know, with how they're conditioned. It doesn't mean you should let people walk all over you. Correct. But Which we will never do. Right. You gonna play that? But forgiveness is, is like um, letting go of the poison. Yeah. You know, it's funny because I had this um, person I used to work with uh, who I loaned some money to mm -hmm. ahead of the project. The project got canceled. The never gave me the money back, and they and they they basically just took it and ran. You know. Gotcha. And I felt very hurt by it at the time. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have much money at the time, and it like fucked up my rent. I was late on rent. I almost got evicted. Like my whole mm. shit got fucked up, right? Yeah. And then um, months later, some random artist named Destiny. 
hit me up wow. about doing a video, mm -hmm. paid me ahead of time the same amount of money I was owed, and then disappeared and never called me to do the video. Destiny. If Destiny's out there, you pay me for a video, holler at me. Right. Um, that's literally that's just that's stop hitting me up. That's providence. You see what I'm saying? Because you let it go. Yeah. And you can't come back. If I, if I want a blessing to come into this hand and I have a problem in this hand, you tell me how many blessings I could obtain. Now, if I let it go, you tell me how many blessings I can obtain. It's just that simple. Bars. <laughs> are you, um, I guess you are religious? Mm -hmm. What's your religion? I'm a child of God. That's my religion. Was there a particular, like, Christian? People uh, say, Christ yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, Christianity in the mainframe and how it started, you know, how and what it technically might be. But it's, uh, I don't believe in necessarily like denominations, you know. Were you always that way? Were you always um, mm, no. connected to God? Always connected to God, blindfolded to a larger picture of like what God can be for so many people in different places on earth, right? I had like, you know, I had like a proper awakening where it's like, I still love God and my God, but you had to have a more universal, non humanized view of it. Mm. The, the church sometimes is the most judgmental place, even though it's where people are supposed to come who are yeah. inflicted by things like, you know, problems, sin, addiction. It's like, but why is it that I notice that these places, these sanctuaries, it's called a sanctuary. Mm. Why is it that when someone does come in, I notice everybody looks at them funny when they might have come off the street? I thought this was church. So that's the part. That's, those are the parts I had to slowly not be confined to You'll or, hear preachers or contaminated or contaminated by. by you know what i'm saying like we can't do that there's been like wars like right what's it like the great crusades where like oh they said like they was killing a bunch of people in the name of christianity in the name of god it's like that's wild like but technically would you subscribe to that say like yeah i'm that was that was right that makes sense like i don't know I, that's what makes you feel like i think man people will always perpetuate what a beautiful only love giving universal power would want you see what i'm saying yeah so it, yeah it, that's it, where i lie with it but mm. i would say i'm the same way i think more so because it's hard for me to envision a design without a designer mm -hmm. you know and no matter how hard you throw paint at the ground it doesn't automatically make shapes you know like like Correct. Um, I think of God as just the ultimate force, like the Big Bang almost. Mm -hmm. Like whatever that was, that's God. I don't think of it as like an old white guy with a beard judging me mm -hmm. on like who I'm sleeping with. Right. I don't think that is God. I think of just this energy that just brought us all here. The greatest creator, the ultimate creator. That's why I think creativity is so dope because it's just us literally getting as close as we can to that same power. Yes. That might manifest both with the conscience and without a conscience. It's almost like it's a crazy. And, and maybe I'm borrowing this term. It might this term might mean something totally different, but mm -hmm. I think of like sacred geometry, mm -hmm. right? Of um have you ever seen when they put like the sand on those boards 
and they turn up the frequency. Yeah. And then it starts making shapes. Yeah. Right? Like it makes these perfect shapes. Yeah. And then you turn the frequency and it makes a different pattern. Yeah. What does that show you? It shows me that these shapes are not something that men came up with. We didn't invent geometry. We Nature. adopted what we it, saw. It was yeah. already there. It's always been there. Yeah. That means that if you turn this frequency, it makes different geometric shapes on sand. That means that there is a design to sound. That sound literally makes a perfect geometric shape. So then what is literally. it doing to us when we listen to certain songs? Right? With certain really lyrics. Deep. Yeah. We can go really deep with that. I'm working with artists right now to like allow um, their music to be experienced. Obviously, people change with frequencies, but it's like allowing the music to be delivered in a way that could hit you at different places physically or metaphysically while you're listening to it. Oh, like a speaker, like in your different chakras or something? But like where a... it hits you, it's like, it's only because of how it's tuned. It doesn't even have to be like on a haptic suit. You know what I'm saying? Is the... There's something to that. Mm -hmm. There really is. I think um, as a society, we forget that Everything that we watch is programming us. I know individually, some of us might remember that, right? Can we take it for granted? Because there's always a show on. There's always something in the background, mm -hmm. whether it's the office or yep. something deep or whatever. We always have something in the background. But these words, these frequencies come into our brains, come into our thoughts, and they affect yeah. what we focus on, we feel. You know, and I think a lot of people are talking about how this is the worst time ever. Not really. I think this is the best time ever. We're just focused and aware of everything that's going on wrong more than ever before. Yeah, But there part, has never been part. a better time for anybody. What, do you want to go back 10 years ago where gays couldn't get married? Right. Women couldn't have bank accounts before 1970. Like, that was not that long ago. You know Come what on. I mean? There's people alive that march with Martin Luther King. Like, yeah. how far back do you want to go where it's shittier for everybody? People were dying of starvation. Like, there has never been a better time to be alive. I don't, but that is yeah. not the conversation. Everybody's saying, oh, the world's going to shit. And, oh, and the world's going to shit. Everything's falling apart. Not really. Not really, you know, but perception is so crazy in the current. Yeah, because what we focus on, we feel. You know, it's... um. You feel that? <laughs> you know, it's like... And you got to keep in mind, news stations are going out of business. What's that you know, the, the, the ratings are going down. So what they're trying to do is get as many views as they can to, to get that ad money before yep. they cash out. Yep. So they're saying everything is like, oh, massive problem. and Everything's a problem. Everything's a problem. Sometimes I'll wake up and I'll check the front page of CNN and Fox News next to each other just to see the competing narratives. That's and, real. And how they, they both tell different sides of the same story. It's like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Look, And when they pick up a, a photo of a person from the other side, it's always a weird looking bad photo. Right. Like it's, a person being like, hmm. Slander. Yeah. This is like slander or oh no, print. It's libel. Yeah. You know, because as a creator, we know how much... Uh, choices affect people mm -hmm. right much so. and how you color how you frame somebody if you pick a picture of them smiling you have them frowning the wording that you use yeah somebody questioned this Steering somebody accused of this mm -hmm. they're right the different words that you use they got stabbed in the back you know what i mean like it's like if, oh, but not really sharing my emotions through your words yeah, yeah. yeah. it's Paint all a mass hypnosis mm -hmm. um speaking of that what do you like hypnotize yourself with like what are the things mm -hmm. that you watch Anime. Really? Mm -hmm. A lot of it. What kind? All of it. Uh, <laughs> a lot of ones that deal with deep narratives. Nothing that's like too light. A lot of times they're dark, heavy, violent, super dramatic. Demon Slayer, Bleach, um, 
Baki was good recently on Netflix. Um, Attack on Titan, super deep. Everyone, how can you not love Attack on Titan? I think the lightest thing I watched was like Hunter x Hunter, which was like, it's still two young boys, but everybody's dying still. So, yeah. What about it draws you in? I think the depth of narratives, usually, the character development. I think also the way they draw, it's just the art direction. A lot of times from whether it's fighting scenes or just landscapes, movement in general, the characters are just so much cooler, I think, through anime than they are in American animated art. I think the best thing we got is Pixar. Right. Right. But anime really innovated cinematography from a digital perspective. You've seen that, right? Yeah. How my, many frames have been inspired from My little sister, um, uh, well, Lucas, now she transitioned. What's up, Luke? Um, she loves anime. He loves anime or they love anime, mm -hmm. whatever you want to be called. I love you. <laughs> um, it's always changing. Luke, young Luke, as I call her. Um, she showed me like, look, look, this movie that you like, this frame comes from this anime. And this one came from here. All the time. And this video came from here. And you're like, holy shit. Yeah. They were so real. ahead of their time. Mm -hmm. And now duplicated for so many major films, especially sci-fi. But um, even like in dramatic, like thrillers, it's used so much. Like, cause the frames are dramatic. The camera angles they decided to use are ones that we wouldn't have thought of from an original standpoint of cinematography, right? And that must be really hard from a drawing perspective mm -hmm. to draw something where the camera's supposed to go underneath and see a punch going that way and right. cut to here, like. And to even think of that, but it allowed them to think. Yeah. In, um, I can't even say it's 360, but it's full freeform, right? Yeah. So that gives people to think, oh, we could have put the camera there. Because usually we wouldn't sit there. We wouldn't go to these angles that sometimes you get out of cartoons or animation. So I feel like that's where we might've gotten inspired for so many shots. That plus the fact they make so much fantasy yeah, or hyper-realism or moments in a fantasy that you're like, damn, we should definitely use something like that. <laughs> Matrix. Yeah. Right, or oh, this scene from Inception. Did you see the new Matrix? Didn't bother watching it. Why not? Mm, I didn't like it even from the trailers. The color grade, it's too bright. It's no, no grit, no green. And it's 10 years too late. Hmm. Impact, that movie, that series was what, 1999 through early 2000s? Yeah. I'm already John Wicked up. Mm. Didn't need it. Give me a young Morpheus. What are we doing? Did you see it? I saw it. What'd you feel about it? I think the first three Matrix films is the best trilogy ever made. So you said it sucked. No. I think of it as a completely other thing. It looked like a completely other thing. It was very meta. And mm. it had some good lines that mm -hmm. I really fucked with. And I don't think it was a bad movie. Damn. I think on. it's just the fact that the first three yeah. were so innovative and captivating and ahead of their time from a cinema perspective because Hollywood movies that have that big of a budget usually aren't that deep. Usually True. the bigger the budget, the more shallow it is from a story perspective. It's a superhero movie or it's, you know, it's it, things don't get that intricate, or that philosophical on high budget. So the first three were incredible. Yeah, facts. With that being said, I mean, I saw I saw the new, technically, I mean, I microdosed mushrooms when I went to see the new one. Mm -hmm. So I'm, my mind was really open for it. So I was just like, yeah, this, I get it. 
But hmm. I think sometimes I go into projects wanting them to be good and needing them to be good. And my brain will find a reason why they're good. Are you doing that right now? That happened to me when I listened to Donda for the first time. You found a re you were finding reasons for it to be good? Yeah, because I think naturally I had expectations of mm -hmm. what I wanted it to be. And most oh. times when an, an artist comes out with something new, we want it to be a bigger, better version of the last thing. Yeah, when in reality, it's on some other shit. Release expectations, bro. I got rid of those. Yes. Well, like how to get rid of them. And when you get rid of them and you accept it for what it is, which is why when I saw the new Matrix that came in there with no expectations, I was just like, oh, just show me a great movie. And I was You're like... the first person to say this. I had just heard it was just... Just he, not it. Just okay. not it. I'll make a case for why I, I liked it then. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll go to bat for it. I'll play devil's advocate. Um, and I guess there will be spoiler alerts here. So we'll just roll with it since you haven't seen it. You'll have to deal with this. Um, the Matrix... The new Matrix has Keanu Reeves alive again. Mm -hmm. He's put back into the Matrix and they made him forget who he was. But they knew that he was going to have deep memories. So you know what they did? They made him a video game designer of a video game called The Matrix. Right? I need, so, I need to take a drink. So, so in this movie, he is like... He's like a dude that made a video game called The Matrix with a character called Neo and a character called Trinity and all that. Oh, Jesus. And, and, and it seems so, it's almost like a parody, right? But it got deep for me because then the whole point of it was that when he started relating to the characters of his video game, mm -hmm. his therapist would be like, oh, that's just all in your head. You're just a very creative guy. Basically saying, you don't have power. You're not a superhero. You're not special. Right. It's all in your mind. These are just fantasies you have. Keep making your fantasies. You're not really special. That's what the therapist was telling him. Was the therapist an agent? It was a program from yeah. the Matrix, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Right? And you can call, I know. Yeah. But what I took from it, right, is that we shouldn't forget the power that we have. And we shouldn't deny the feeling, even though, yes, we're vulnerable and no, we're not perfect. Mm -hmm. And yes, we all have so much room for growth. We also all have this greatness inside of us and we can let society yes, program do. us yeah. to accept an identity that lowers our power mm -hmm. to be like, Oh, I'm just this. I'm only this thing. I'm only yeah. this thing. But we're I'm infinite, right? We're I'm infinite. not this or I'm not that. Right. Fit in. Right. And then the whole point was him realizing, no, holy shit. I didn't just make up a video. I am. The it's like they made him feel crazy. Like he thinks he's a video game character. Right, so so out of a a grade, a letter grade. Give me a letter grade for the movie, and you can use pluses and minuses within the letters. Okay. As a filmmaker, mm. you're I'll, splitting up the consensus. As a filmmaker, I'll give it like a B minus. Okay. As an individual human that was hoping that this art would touch me emotionally and wake something up inside of me, A plus. So it's a B plus movie. As a Matrix fan, mm -hmm. D. Okay. And I feel all those things equally true. As a Matrix fan, I'm like, you shouldn't have even done it. Right. Just leave it. Because it's hard enough to ever get away with a sequel, much less a trilogy. Correct. Since when does anybody have a trilogy that's great? The Matrix was, was very hard to as, do. It's very, very hard, hard to do. do you mm -hmm. know, and it was written as a trilogy. The story was complete. What's that average? 
Huh? What's that average to? A. B minus. A, a, B, and a D. D. It's a C plus. It's a C plus movie. I mean, it's worth watching. It's not going to... Just let go of the expectation I of it being I think you should fantastic. give me your cliff notes or send me a video clip of that part where they say that shit and then some other good stuff and you give that to me and I'll be like, boom. Oh, they said some other deep stuff. Give me all the deep ones. They, 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 they did this whole bit where they, where they said that like... Because um, they also put Trinity in a very frustrating situation and mm -hmm. they put him in a very frustrating situation mm -hmm. and, they, and they basically said that we tried to program it to where you wouldn't be frustrated, but you weren't really believing it. And humans just connect more to frustration and pain. So we purposely made this really shitty and really awkward for you because then you felt that it was more real. And it's like, whoa, that's why like so many of us want to accept the narrative that the world is going to shit. Right. Because that feeling pain, that feels more real than accepting the fact that no, it's actually really great. Yeah, misery so loves company. They had a bunch of like mm -hmm. deep one-liners like that. Again, you have to let go. I'll let it go, maybe. Because it it, 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 it off the bat, mm. it's not going to touch on the first three. It just ain't, you know? But I guess for me, selfishly, it gave me something. Bless. You gave me something as well. <laughs> now I don't have to see it because you gave me everything I needed. You spoiled it. You gave me, like, the good parts of it. I love it. I'm not going to watch it now. <laughs> so said as a Matrix fan, it was a D. I'm like, so I wanted you to say something crazy. Like, as a Matrix fan... B minus two. I'm like, you know what? Maybe I should see it. When you said D, you hurt me. Hurt me. Dang it. I still think you should see it. Popcorn. I think you'll be like, once you let go. I'll give it a popcorn night. I'll give it a popcorn night. It's got something in there. Maybe you convinced me. I don't know. I appreciate that. That's good. Why do you think the first one was so good? Tone. Color. The time it took to explain that narrative. Mm. And which all led to finally when Morpheus said, all of that Neo to turn humans into this. That They had to get through a lot of that to finally get to the construct to show like the whole point of this was because after the war they wanted to make you this. That's why you're in that pod to provide the machines the power. But that's when he finally said, no, no, I don't believe it. That's when he popped. Yeah. It was beautiful, but the whole point was like, what are they doing? Oh, we're being used as batteries are actually being plugged up, linked up, life force. And like, I, I was like, wow, that is a ridiculous concept. And that's when he freaked out. I think mean, that's when people freak out. Anybody that's, when they first watched the movie, they never watched it. Like, oh, damn. And they show the columns. Yeah. There are fields, Neo. Endless, you know, field, fields. endless fields. Yeah. And you're like, that's when you actually get scared. And I think the way they did that took the time, the agents, you don't understand. And then, yeah, I think coloring, tone, pacing to that narrative was amazing. What is um some of the takeaways you got from the first Matrix? You know, societal realms, like, you know, seeing is not believing. People mm. always, oh, it's... Faith by sight, faith by sight. And there's a whole other, I guess, there's always another world. There's always a back end. I like that it is anchored in software. Right. Right? And yeah. connecting to the phone lines because there's always this back end. There's always operator. Right. And I love that connection, right? When they wanted to get through, it was all about connecting. 
only way you could get through was simply belief, which allowed them to sever the connection. That's the only way they could find you was you allowing them, based on belief, to go put this thing in you so that you could get a pulse, an impulse. So you can be found. So you can be found in an endless field, but it took faith. You can't just wow, do it. Wow, like, that's a great perspective. I didn't have it worded like that. It was wow. so amazing. Like You can see it. They're communicating, but you can be sucking until you believe, which allowed them to even go into that process in that room, right? Right. And that's when he first did the mirror, and he says, is this real? He goes, what is real? Yeah. Is it what you can, you know, and it's yeah. like, wait, wait, wait. You know, that's when the yes. he crossed over was only at that moment when he started to believe was when in the physical, in the matrix, he saw his first thing that didn't make sense. Yes. It, it, it's so deep philosophically. I've probably watched the matrix a hundred times. Mm -hmm. Every time I get a different story from it, like the spoon, when he's with the kid, I don't know if you've seen it, but when he sees the kid and the kid bends the spoon, right? And he, and he asked the kid, like, how did you do that? And the kid says, um, don't try to bend the spoon because that's impossible. Just realize the truth. And he's like, what truth? There is no spoon. There is no spoon. And it's not the spoon that's bending. It's only you. Mm -hmm. What does that mean, right? Mm. It means that this spoon, it's a metaphor, right? Like this gold that you have, this feeling that you have, this um, pain that you won't let go of. It's not the pain that needs to change, it's you. Right. It's not the spoon that's bending, it's only yourself. When you bend and realize the truth, the spoon will change too. Yes. When you decide to let it go, this pain that's so heavy mm -hmm. becomes light. Exactly. Right, like that's a metaphor. There's so many of them, so many scenes. And thus the code is shattered. You know, or at the end, even um, when the uh, uh, Oracle talks mm -hmm. to Neo, right, because she tells uh, Morpheus that he's going to find the one. She yep. tells Trinity that she's going to fall in love, love with the one. Mm -hmm. She tells Neo, you're not you're the You're not one, the one. But it's too bad because uh, Morpheus believes you are and uh, he's probably about to die. And he's like, what? Mm -hmm. And she's like, yeah, it's either you're going to be your life or his. Yeah, but you're not the one. And so what does he do? He found purpose. And when he let go of trying to figure out, am I the one? Am I not the one? He let go of the identity and he found purpose. purpose. He became the one. And this is Eckhart Tolle, A New Earth. Mm, I read that audiobook. Fantastic. Finding one's purpose by releasing and deadening identity and ego to make way for purpose. I love Tolle. Yes. So for me, it's like, it was like Tolle with sci-fi yeah. personification. Like, who are you? It's like, oh, I have to literally die to myself and break free of how I identify in one world. Remember he came through, he says, this is who you really are. This person with holes in you, a thing in the back of your neck, because that's your actual body. You were seeing a projection. Yeah. So who they were in Zion is almost like what your consciousness actually is. Yeah. Aside from what you are based on that societal level of the video game that you got dropped into. It's so deep. You could teach a whole college. It's funny. I bet you could create a whole college course based on the Matrix. Well, you could if they do it on Drake's music. They do it to Nas's music too. And I guess you could definitely do it on a film that literally shook up how you think about the world. We always, now we call it The Matrix. Now we literally say, The Matrix is glitching. The ma It's trippy. We're like voluntarily, voluntarily going into The Matrix now with the metaverse. And think about it, right? Like all these machines that power social media, 
they're only working because mm -hmm. we're using it. Yes. We are literally like shitting on the Matrix movie mm -hmm. while participating in real life Matrix and being like, ah, yeah. Staying plugged in voluntarily, like don't want to be unplugged. So artificial intelligence is what led to this disaster, but that's what we're all on. So it's interesting. We'll see what happens. Do you think it's human beings purpose to give birth to AI? Our purpose? No. Well, it's certainly what we're doing. Mm -hmm. We've done a lot of things. I don't think everything we do is in our purpose. Mm. Is it a means to what might ultimately be set in stone to happen? Yes, but I don't know if it's our purpose. Because it could be something that could be as, as much as it could be created, it could be eradicated. Technically, I don't, we don't know how many times this has even happened. Do you believe in multiple universes? And all that? It, or just even one. There could be just in this time, there's no actual means, technically. I, I talked to my dad about this. And my dad's a, he's a deacon, you know, in the church. Okay. What does that uh, mean? He's like a, he's just high up in the officiating of it. It's okay. not, it's nothing of hierarchy. He okay. just is very, let's just say he's, he's a, a very devoted. Okay service member to the church okay right that's my father amazing man um mm -hmm. i asked him if you honestly think the world is you know it is you know up to, upwards towards five billion years old do you think that there's a potentiality in that many numbers i think it's like 14 billion 14 the, the earth itself yeah oh i thought we were four billion. okay like if that. we're 14 billion years old whichever oh, no, we so are, not the universe is 14 billion or something whatever sorry keep going if we on billions okay in all that time, is there not the possibility that this whole 50,000 years of whatever we've done hasn't happened within all that time on this same rock? And then it just got smashed and started over. It got over. smashed. Like, there could easily have been, like, we build it up. Cities are dope. We got cars. Everything's lit. We got the... And then, boom, that goes. But even after... 900 million years which is just a portion of yeah. that that's such a long time for something to just yeah i mean think about how much progress we have in a couple thousand years and that's what scares I mean, in me 100 years then that's 150 what years ago me. no electricity so if we can go from electricity years? to everything electricity to i'm you know me and my girl are in like the gym and she's talking to two people maybe on three-way across this side of the world and i'm talking to both my friends while i'm in the gym wireless wi-fi and we're just talking and there's satellites in space. Space and all this making this happen. And, and I'm like, we're connected. So I'm like, what's, I don't know. Millions? Billions? Millions and billions on the same thing. Like, there could be multiple universes. Cool. That's one thing. There could be different planes of thought to which on this same, where we are, there's just, we're in 3D. Then there's 4D. And then there's a dimension that's sitting right present where we are. That's a five. We're just not present to that thought or tuned in. It's like that could be an existence as well. I don't deny yeah. that either. Well, we already know that our eyes are so limited, right? We can't see infrared light. We can't hear all the sounds. We can't see internet. We know it works. We know I can send a video from me to you. Mm -hmm. It's going to a satellite and back, but you don't see a thing going up. No matter how hard you try to see it, you can't see the signal. So there's information that there's, can be There seen. is invisible, invisible information. So maybe there's mm -hmm. other invisible information that we just don't even have an instrument to tap into it yet. Correct. We just receive it. We never have seen radiation. You don't see an x-ray. We are actually manipulating that radiation yeah. to our benefit without ever seeing it. That's why I was thinking about creativity. Mm -hmm. Where do ideas come from? My personal opinion is yeah, the universal ether. Mm -hmm. God, it's like 
we think about the word creativity, you can go to microcosms of creativity like melody. Yeah. Where does melody come from? And why do we like it? And why, why, does do it like why does it sound so good when we hear a great piano? And what made it? What made the first person to play? I'm going to do that. There's nothing that would have premeditated that because these aren't sounds of nature at all. Right. When we were when we beat on skin drums, there's nothing in nature that has percussion rhythm. We manifested that, but where did that come from? Playing wind instruments, we to do that. Where is that signal coming from to make you do that? When we're recording records, and why do we universally like certain things? You know, I asked this other music producer uh, on this podcast, like. Is there such a thing as a universally happy sound or sad sound? Or have we just been conditioned to think, oh, this sounds happy, this sounds sad? Like when you're watching a scary movie mm -hmm. and there's like, da dum, da dum, have we been conditioned to think that is a scary sound? Or if you took a human who'd never heard anything before and just play them that, mm -hmm. would they think it's a scary sound? It's conditioning. You think so? Mm -hmm. You because think you, you could can... put that, like the Jaws theme song on like something funny and yep. you could laugh? Because the Jaws goes, uh, I can have that me walking downstairs when I was five years old, yeah. wanting to see what's downstairs for Christmas because I know Santa Claus came. It could be like dun, 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 me running down the hallway because we score so many different things in film. Right. And the moment, the scene can change the music. So I know that instantly. It's just conditioning. Like Darth Vader's music could have been put to a happy moment and you will begin to be like, this is intense. It's a major happy moment. The guy's proposing. It's just serious, but it's happy. We can mm. be condi conditioned into that. And is that why you think um, Playboy Cardi is successful with breaking the pattern? Because he's doing something different than what we're conditioned to hearing in a beat? Yeah. Because I haven't heard his album, but the way you describe it, it just means that he's breaking convention. Oh, we're yeah. used to things being in this way, and he's like, nah. Oh, yeah. It's like, that's one of those projects, and a lot of other music too, where you're like, where Prince would sometimes uh, be in the studio and say, let's drop out, take the bass out. And you're turn around like, what do you mean? He goes, just just take all the bass out. Mm. And then we're bouncing that, that's it. Unconventional, you're probably as a consumer or fan waiting for, where's the bass at? It sounds different. That was the point, that's art. Whether it's the ergonomics, what it's meant to make you feel, here, how you're meant to look at it. Is it turned sideways, so I have to turn my head? Does it have base for me to feel, to, well, maybe to not feel something? The same way 808s make you feel a way. Mm -hmm. And they, like I think uh, Ye spoke about it, but a lot of people speak about it. There's certain frequencies that hit you in a certain chakra. 808s hit you in your lowest chakra. Right. Your root chakra, where lust and procreation mm -hmm. have to be mastered at. But it's just vibrating right here. Right. So you feel it in your... Yeah. So where's that coming from? A set of things like, that's why when you hear choral acapella music from like a huge choir, there's no actual percussion, there's no beat. Cause it's touching something else. But how do you feel like, oh, how, how is it making you almost look up? Yeah. Have you ever looked down when a choral choir hits a high pitch or at an opera? No, you literally, it, yeah, it's ergonomically, like, hallelujah, yeah. Hallelujah. How, how, no one's ever gone hallelujah and like laid down. No one's like, like hallelujah. hallelujah. You can't. Yeah. It's a frequency that needs to be projected. You look up and look up where? Mm. So. Word. Mm -hmm. Word. 
It's like, why is it making me do this? Oh, got it. Somebody wants me to look up. Do you ever feel like you need to listen to music that have no lyrics? All the time, bro. I listen to film scores. Same. I have a big, you do? Yeah, oh, I love John Williams, Alan Silvestri. Uh, or got our boy uh, Ludwig. We got Hans um, Zimmer. Hans Zimmer. We got uh, this one dude is really cold, bro. He did. Uh, well, also, I love Trent Reznor. Mm-hmm. The Social and Network Atticus. soundtrack was really good. Watchmen soundtrack. I haven't heard that one yet. Oh, I think Trent Reznor did. Uh, I think he did Up. Oh, he did. Is that crazy? The, I love how music can tell a whole story with no lyrics. Mm-hmm. You so know I what it. I mean? I love it. You can it. have a whole character development with it's just like, instruments. It's oh, okay. I know this character's coming in. It's a happy day entrance and boom. Mm-hmm. Comedic relief. Up that. From a symphony. From Like orchestra. Tom and Jerry. Yeah. That whole cartoon was just all just music, no words. No dialogue. No dialogue. Loved it. But I feel like, yeah, it's um it is necessary to listen to that. Instrumentals, because sometimes you don't need words. You just need to feel. Mm-hmm. Not everything needs to be explained, it needs to be just experienced. I really enjoy um, Hans Zimmer's opening theme to Planet Earth 2, the, the, mm, the Netflix show. Got it's you. It's just this big crescendo, and it's like, I feel like the soundtrack too. of life. Oh, it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Really good shot. The best shot nature thing I've seen. Next got to you. Will Smith's uh, One Strange Rock. Until like, his, his stuff is really good as mm-hmm. well. I like what he's doing there. I read his book recently, the, the Will Smith autobiography. Have you gotten it yet? No, I haven't. Man, it was deep. It was very vulnerable. Well, I mean, he's lived a deep life. It was very much revealing in a way that felt um, like a relief. Mm. Somebody who's built up as such a movie star, taking the time to talk about, no, here's how I feel bad about myself. Here's how where my childhood went. Here's my desires. Here's my faults. And, and just like just opening it all up. It was really inspiring. Got you. I heard, I heard good things about it. Yeah. I heard good things about it. Yeah. I like that the narrative now, I was talking with Yanni about this earlier, it's a lot more accepted now to talk about your shortcomings yes. and mental health. Yes. It's like really recent, like a couple years. Of being able to do this. Of like yeah. being really accepted to where like rappers and the people that are usually like the guarded alpha males yeah. are now talking about, yeah, I go to therapy. And it's like, oh, cool. And not being like, huh? That's weird. Or you're a weirdo. Or you're soft. Yeah. It's necessary. It is. Mm-hmm. I have a friend of mine. His name is Blake Brady. He's mm-hmm. uh, Right now, he told me about a vision. He says, I want schools in Detroit in these other highly inflicted, highly traumatic areas of the United States and obviously places around the world. But in these communities where a part of the curriculum, a part of the classes and the schedule is in there, you're going to have... 30, 40, or 50 minutes of children sitting down with therapists. Mm. Or once in that month, you have to have sat down, not with a counselor, but an actual therapist. An actual therapist. Like, how are you feeling? Like, how is school and your environment mm-hmm. affecting your mental construct, your confidence, and your academic ability? And imagine if doing that early. Mm-hmm. How much better adults they're going to be. Asking a five-year-old, how do you feel? And then not just at home. And then it gets to about school and achievement, positive feedback loops, punishment and reward. No, no. In school and home, asking a child, how do you feel? Well, 
not just saying let's solve a problem. Oh, he hit me or he called me a name in resolving this little issue. Right. Let's actually take time with these children and, and mm-hmm. who are going to become adults that maybe one day have to run everything. Yeah. It's like, yeah, tapping into like how they feel. So, yeah, I feel like the mental health thing, it's really good that we can all express it together, but also the therapy of it being accepted to trickle down to, yes, not just acceptable for adults and then be open for adults or be open for teen it should be literally open and accepted yes and given to everybody especially when you consider the fact that most of personal development Mm self-help therapy is undoing patterns that were caused from childhood trauma yeah that's most of what it is because that's where it all started it's like oh i got hurt here or this like in the will smith book he talks about how when he was young he saw his father hit his mother and he didn't defend her and he felt like a coward and mm. that uh, he felt a lot of shame for that and that he wasn't being the hero that he needed to be for the woman in the house and at the same time he hated Damn. his dad for doing that he respected his dad because his dad taught him discipline and provider for the family so he had like a love-hate relationship with his dad and then um if i read it correctly will learned to become kind of like the clown of the family to be like, hey, as long as I'm getting your attention and laughing, you're not beating my mom. Damn. And now we have Will Smith, the movie star. Wow. So I guess I need to read that book. Oh, it's deep. That sounds so much better than The Matrix. Oh. <laughs> well, you know what? I got the audio book. And if I were you, I would get the audio book because he actually reads it. I do like, oh, oh, so he's narrating. He's his, narrating the ah, whole cool. thing. And he even, um, it's just well done. I like to hear that. his voice actually tell, and he talks about the strategy of even, I don't know if you know this, but you know, before he did Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, he you know, had platinum record, he made like three million bucks, forgot to pay his taxes. Just, just talking about this today. Just didn't get around to it. Yeah. You know, lost all his today. money, um, had to borrow like 10 grand from a drug dealer and go live in LA with his girl. And then she was telling him to just start schmoozing people. And then he started just hanging out with Arsenio Hall at the show. And nobody knew that he was broke. He was a famous Grammy Award winning rapper who was broke because he didn't pay taxes. And then um, Quincy Jones invited him to a party. And when he came to that party, he had him audition for Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, like at the party. He's like, yeah, cool, yeah, I have an idea for a show. We're going to have an audition right here, right now. Here's the owner of NBC and everything. Go. And Will Will was like, yeah, you know, um, give me a week or let me rehearse. Let me do this. Let me take acting classes. He was like, yeah, you could do that. But then they're going to be busy right here, right now. Everybody that needs to say yes is in this room. Are you going to take the chance or not? Kind of like you with the Drake video, right? Crazy. It's like you don't it's need crazy. to be perfectly qualified to get your opportunity. I wish we you all knew that. show up. Correct. I wish more people knew that. That's a feeling I wish a lot of people knew. You don't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be complete, nor do you have to be complete mm-hmm. to do something or to be in a good situation. Whether it's like an opportunity in business, sometimes in a relationship, you don't have to be perfect to receive a good thing, mm. to receive an opportunity, to receive a blessing, mm. you know? But can you step up and into it and then grow into it? And that's why it even approached you in the first place. Yeah. And how it can stick with you. Yes. Yeah. It all taps into our feeling of self-worth, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so much of what we go for or don't go for is tied around what we believe we're deserving of. Amen. That's deep. It is so. And sometimes I think being naive is kind of helpful. You know, when I yeah. moved to LA, I was like, fuck it. I don't know anybody. Yeah. I'd love to work with a major artist. Put that as a goal. 
Metaigo a week later. Right. You know what I mean? That's that releasing. Like, and just, I'm just trying to do it. You don't think it's I impossible? Know. I didn't like, think I was unqualified. Which people do, which I, is why they don't receive. Yes. I'm unqualified. There you go. Yeah. I don't know if I'm qualified or not. I'm going to do it. It's going to be much more receiving of a frequency, right? Then yeah. I'm unqualified. I'm not ready for something like that. That should not come to me. And if it does. And if it does. Should be guys just a little loose. <laughs> that shouldn't be my blessing. Right? Yeah. It's like, no, it should be your blessing because it came to you, but we don't step up or into sometimes what we ask for, sometimes what we want. So I think that comes from and tell me if you what you think about this. Mm -hmm. This like false belief we have as kids that adults have it all figured out. As a kid, you think, yeah. oh, grownups, yeah. they got it all figured out, especially now with social media. Oh, yeah, everybody has their shit together except for me. Right. I'm fucking up and I'm barely holding it together, but everybody else has it. And then you start meeting people in successful places and you're like, oh, everybody's winging it? Didn't know that, right? And it's like... Like when you, start, you get a couple major clients and like I did this thing with Disney and I showed up and I'm like, oh, y'all are dealing with the same kind of issues I deal with on like a little music video. Right. I'm like, oh, you guys forget this too. And I'm like, really? You thought the more but money, the more perfect. It's like, it's everybody is just winging it. Mm -hmm. Just winging it. So if you just show up, and are present and willing to add value, you can get a lot done. You don't have to be like, oh, I'm experienced. I know how to do this, right? Like parents, most parents don't have experience in parenting. They got to get it done. Yeah. And then whoever steps up and into it, obviously become, we are good parents or active or present or whatever. Parents yeah. or parents, depending on the situation. Yeah. But that's the difference like no one had a manual there's no way of preparing for it but do you step up and transform and integrate yourself into that role and especially for roles that aren't required to be qualified like i don't want my doctor to be winging it right i don't want my airplane pilot to be winging it no pun intended right you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, i don't want my lawyer to be winging it or an architect who's building a bridge certain jobs you kind of can't wing it yeah know your shit yeah. Be super qualified. Be overqualified if you can. Please. Especially if you my plane. <laughs> I need you every type of degree, certification, FAA. Whoop -de -whoop. I need you to be burnt out from being overqualified if you're flying the plane. Like yes. You should be the OG of this shit. You Please. Know? But for most other things, it's about just showing up. Mm -hmm. And we're afraid to sometimes because we think, oh, I'm not a creative person or I'm not this or I'm not that. Nobody's that. Nobody's that. Until you, until you just do it, do it, and call yourself that, and do what? Am, what is that? I want to be that. Now you have to do exactly what blank does. Yes, and that's the difference. Yeah, I couldn't be a director to I'd establish that I wanted to be that. Number one, mm -hmm. then I had to call myself that. Then when I woke up the next day, I said, "Okay, what would a uh, director do mm -hmm. today with this? How does it?" That's how you step into a role. Yes. What it, they always call it assuming. Assume the position, yes. Assume the role. That word, that verb is very powerful, assume. Because mm. an assumption is making a... It's almost like faith. It's a faith, because when you assume, it's a, there's no actual evidence. It, so if that was, they, you would just know. That's why they say you assume the role. Yeah. He assumed the role of... Director. You never become whatever. the role, you assume it. Mm-hmm. Which means I had the audacity to believe, and thus I now have to daily what? Practice it. 
and do it because a sure. pilot is only a pilot for as long as they're flying and as yeah. long as they're doing a pilot cannot not pilot right because the moment you stop what are you not a pilot yeah you got to be flying mm -hmm. if you're not you're a singer as long as you're singing. singing before that you have a voice yes you have to do and step into the action actually perform yes you don't have this podcast unless you do it in the moment you stop you're not a podcaster but it's right. as simple as doing it yes were you podcaster five months ago no it was a dream. It was just, a, it was written up. It was a, like a sticky note up here. Launch a weekly podcast. And how many episodes are you on? I filmed like 15 already. We released 10. Yeah. It's like that alone is like you have now a library or something where mm -hmm. no one could ever take away this title because you assume that role. Now I'm a podcaster. And like you got these walls, these colors. Yeah. It's like the foliage in here is yeah. vibrant. And you created that from, I won't say like your imagination, but it was... Yeah. yeah, I want to I want to do this and it didn't start until like okay, I'm going to do it. I wasn't a podcaster until I made a podcast. Come on. You're not a music artist until you put out a song. You know, and I think mm. um which feels the, so good. The traditional way, and again, not to make it bad, but the traditional conversation in America, right? From the industrial revolution was, what do you want to be when you grow up? Oh, I'm going to be a this singular thing, singular job defined vision right and it needed to be that way because before that we were basically savages <laughs> true basically basically the kind of yeah. shit that was acceptable 150 years ago barbaric things barbaric things you know what i mean <laughs> to go from that to being like hey i want to be a doctor step up right for sure you know mm. what i mean engineer great and i'm not shitting on these things but nowadays Unless you're going to be one of those things that you're going to be that forever, it's almost limiting just to say, I'm going to be this thing. It's like, no, I'm learning to be a dancer right now. Right now. And then I could be a photographer then, and then I could be a therapist. And you don't let go of everything. Mm. You take what you learned as a dancer into being a therapist or whatever the next thing is. Or for you, right, from a photographer, from a, as a videographer, if you're in the studio with artists and you feel the frequency, you have like muscle memory, you mm -hmm. have frequency memory. Like, I know what it feels like to work with a major artist in right, the studio. Right. So it's time for me to make a song. Let me tap into that. And that's a lot of what I did mm. am doing. A lot of that is like, I, I would know what would make a good session because you're literally in them and you're literally around souls where you're like, wow, this is what it feels like when someone's in their bag. When you're around greatness, mm -hmm. it's a frequency that's it's undeniable. Crazy. It's crazy, and it's very, uh, it can be contagious. It can be. Because some people are around greatness, and they it inspires them to do not shit. <laughs> Me, I get around greatness, and I feel like it's beyond a sponge. I feel like it's like, yeah. that's that's COVID. Me around greatness, like, that's, inf that's I, infectious. That's infectious. Yeah. Greatness and inspiration and creativity, people executing mm. and doing what is that they want to do, that to me instantly if i see somebody man woman mm -hmm. peer peer or enemy and i don't care who they are when i see somebody doing anything right it instantly makes me want to do that it shows you what's possible mm -hmm. instantly so much of what i've done has been that like mm -hmm. i remember when i was in um in school and i saw this other skater because i started out making skate videos and Which so this so one cool. skater that was uh making music videos I'm like how'd you do this he's like oh i dropped out of high school and i was like you can do that i was like don't you need a degree he's like no Right, right. <laughs> and the next thing you know, I started interning for directors and, and editing behind the scenes. And when I was 16, I just left high school just to start doing videos full time. I was like, oh, Damn. 
I'm like, yeah, at least because I got around it. You I did wa- that? Yeah. That's dope. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, my, my parents are both ballet dancers and choreographers. So I grew up in a very artistic, classical ballet, classical music kind of family. You know, born in Brazil. That's how I got the nickname. Um, my mom wow, and my biological that. father and my stepfather were all pa- ballet dancers, like big time, like f- deep in it, you know? Hmm. They tried to put me in it. I did a couple classes but it wasn't my thing but i appreciated it a lot yeah. i was around art i was around stage i was around lighting i was around creativity so to me it just felt like of course you create that's really cool that's it's unique just, it, like you said like you absorb you're the sponge right mm-hmm. i grew up around I, I absorbed it i'm like why wouldn't you create everybody around me did and you're actually like rewarded for that yeah in that environment too so it's like why wouldn't i do this yeah it's actually like that's what people want in this yeah so yeah you will feel more comfortable being that yeah and doing so like whenever i go to a show i see all the backstage people i'm like oh yeah i feel like i belong with them right over there you know what i mean yeah. like it, it just feels right going yeah. behind the curtain is something i'm used to doing you know and um it's our life i i met a director when i was like 14 his name was morocco vaughn he did a bunch of like classic videos kind of videos do or die videos in chicago and i met him on myspace I started doing behind the scenes for his videos when I was a kid. Got you. And then he gave me a hard drive with all the footage from the music video to use in the behind the scenes, like to mm-hmm. to, to reference a clip or something, right? Right. I was like, yo, this is my shot. I He came back a week later and I said, I got the behind the scenes for you, but I recut the video. And he was like, what? He was like, you leaked? I was like, no, 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 I didn't leak it. I was like, I just, I just wanted to show you my version. That's it, harmless. I pressed play and bro, it was like the longest three minutes of my life. I was like, shit, did I overstep? Was I being too ambitious? You know so what cool. I mean? This is so cool, yeah. And yeah. then and then when he got done, he was just like, very quiet guy, just like, and he picked up the phone when he finished. And I was like, oh man, I'm definitely fired. And he called the artist and I was like 14, 15 years old. And he called the artist and he's like, yo, we gotta send the new version of the video to BT. And he's like, yo, from now on, you're my editor. And that was like freshman year of high school. As a teenager. Yeah. And then you were I just, editing BET videos. Yeah. And then as a freshman in high school? Yeah. Yeah. And then at that point, I was just like, why am I in school? <laughs> yeah. I feel you on that. That's so that's what leads to 16 years old dropping out. Yeah. We're I, dropping in. Because it's funny, because I, I was like maybe a C student, mm-hmm. but the second I found something I liked, I became an A student at that. He started giving me psychology books, marketing books, creativity books. Yeah. I would read those. I would make notes. I would highlight. I would like do homework yeah. on my own. Like I, the first book he gave me was um, 48 Laws of Power by Robert Greene. Yep. The, the classic. Yep. Classic. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, this is amazing. <laughs> I <laughs> this love is like that book. the ruthless cheat codes to life, you know? And the I'm, ruthless ones, yeah. Ruthless ones for sure, mm-hmm. you know? And then I got into Tony Robbins. My parents put me onto him. That was a big influence on me. Dope. Yeah, just uh, even when I couldn't physically be in the room with people that inspired me, mm-hmm. I at least connected to them digitally. You know, I would listen to audiobooks, I would watch interviews, I would watch studio session videos of Jay Z in the studio. I love that. Like like the black watch album, so the, the, you know what I mean? The, the fake to black. Uh, oh my god, just to see the, what it feels like to be in the studio. So then when I got to be in the studio with these kinds of people, I knew the vibe. I knew the vibe. I knew. I watched. That's why I think it was funny because I was watching all those BTSs or watching behind the scenes of music videos way before I ever thought I was gonna do them. Mm-hmm. So being in it, I remember the first time coming into the studio. But mind you, I'm coming in studios at 25. Okay. So I have been 
seen every content, every beat he has. Come on, we've been through college. Like, yeah, yeah. We've seen it all. So now I'm like, oh, so this is the. I'm almost like knowing what I'm seeing. Yo, engineer, yeah, yeah. You know, when you in there, don't, don't say nothing. <laughs> and the, I, and you would also see other camera guys in their footage right in the back. Mm -hmm. So you're like, yeah, you just got to be fly on the wall. Fly on the wall is cool. So that's kind of I use that to be <laughs> somewhat of how I would carry myself. Okay. Right in the studio by seeing. Oh yeah, remember when Justin Timberlake was with um, Neptune's? They was making the album. It's like when they're making that moment, everybody shut the hell up. Or when they're in the booth, everyone's outside. You're supposed to lend energy to the person in the room. Everybody's supposed to just add to the collective vibe. Don't stand there and be like, he's recording. You're supposed to nod your head. It helps the artist know that mm -hmm. they're doing something. If you actually are, even if you're not looking them in their eyes, they know because they're going to be. You're contributing at you. to the energy. You can't be like and paying bills on the laptop on the side of the like room. While someone's spilling their heart out about like the hood that they from. Yeah. Or like the love they lost. It's like, ah, like. You need to be like engaged and giving them these. Yes. Mm. And then, mm -hmm. like, oh yeah, they'd be like, that's hot? That's hot? Okay, do that again, because y'all like that? Right. And they feed, people are being vulnerable in the booth. Mm -hmm. I know I feel in the booth. I feel very, well, strengthened, but yet, yeah, vulnerable. Yes. You're if, trying to get to that vulnerable place, and if you don't feel safe, you feel like people are just not paying sleep, attention. Yeah. Or just smoking and blowing O's, and you're just like, they're just looking up in the air. You're like, I don't know if y'all like it or not that it hit the frequency or not. Imagine dancing to silence and no applause. Just kind of look at you like, <laughs> people are just staring at you. Staring at you like, <laughs> you're just like, exit, <laughs> stage left. But um, yeah, so it's, it's needed. But that I think that watching that type of content and being in the studio and seeing how to create, how you were saying you knew how you wanted to act. Mm hmm. From what you watch and other content, I I think I did a lot of that. Yeah, yeah. I, etiquette. Uh, yeah, the etiquette. Mm -hmm. Because it's not so much when you're when you're being close with celebrities, it's already assumed that you're good at what you do. Mm, right. Assumed. Yeah. yeah. Assumed. Mm -hmm. So why you got the job is more so about your vibe than your skill. Because to even be considered for the job, you have to have the skill. You know, I think at least from yeah. my perspective. Like when I was touring with Tyga and Diddy and Trey Songs, um, it was like I blended in well with the crew. Personality and energy. Personality. Mm -hmm. The reason I stopped working with Tyga's campus because me and somebody from his crew didn't blend together well. Got you. You know, mm -hmm. it was somebody. We, there was just a lot of friction, and we like had like a, like a verb, like like we just. A verbal dispute. The dispute, and it was gotcha. just like, and, 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 it, and it crossed the lines where I said, energetically, I can't be a part of this. Like, I had no problem with Tyga, but it was like, this is not for me. Right. And then I felt like I couldn't contribute to the vibe anymore if I'm but, riffing but it with was, this person. But it was based on your initial, like yeah. you said, your relationships are based on that. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like for me, um, I think it with Janae specifically, like I've been working with her since 2017, mm -hmm. now getting into 22. How'd y'all meet? Uh, I was working with her management company, who's called Art Club, Art Club International. Okay. So they have a lot of other artists. So I was doing a lot of their music videos, content, um, album artwork, or just literally being in the studio and kind of helping them and guide them with like, what's the overall vision for this project? Right. But doing that with like several other artists around her was the means of me getting, you know, working up, you know, uh, Mortal Kombat when you fight yeah. the next. <laughs> the next boss, boss and it's yeah. like keep like tick tick up. <laughs> it's like finally I was like, man, I got like four more like rounds to go till I get up here. So finally I feel like I got to that point and then her manager 
Yeah, I was on tour with The Weeknd at the time during the Starboy oh, no phase two. Yeah. So How I, is he in person? He's awesome. He loves film. Everything he does is inspired by film. Really? That's why his videos His come videos out are way. so good. But his music is very much so. Like, he'll ask people, like, who was around him, hey, have you seen this one movie? They're going to say no. It was in 1983. It's something, something. It was scored by this person. And it, and you'll be amazed. Such an invested creative. Very so you were the tour creative. videographer for the weekend? Yeah. It was mostly Belly, but a lot of it was him. Because okay. they're like, oh, you're already shooting it. Yeah. So yeah, like, yeah. come on, shoot this. But uh, Belly, Nav, mm -hmm. Weekend. So it was the EXO thing. And while I'm doing that, going on the road, and this is me first time being on a tour. Right. I get pulled um, back because I had to go to like another visual that I had to attend to here while I had to come back to LA. Mm -hmm. I get a call middle of the night. I just got off the plane, just flew in from LAX mm -hmm. or got to LAX. And I'm like, um, in the dark, I'm trying to get my bags off and I'm like, hello. And I'm getting like, Hey, what's up? What you doing? I'm like, ah, nothing chilling. Cause you always, you know, that's all yeah. I say. And, um, she's like, uh, her manager was like, Hey, do you think you have time to write a treatment? We have a meeting with Def Jam tomorrow, <laughs> and we need to show them a treatment. I'm like, what you, What song is it for? She's like, could you write me a treatment to Sativa? And I said, what time is the meeting? She says, uh, 12 noon. I'm like, fire. She goes, oh, no, that's New York, because you know Def Jam office in New York. So 9 a.m. I'm like, <laughs> it's 10 p.m. And I just got off this flight, and I'm just trying to keep everything together, trying to unload these hard drives with, with uh, right. this XO shit. And um, I said, okay, I can do it. And I ended up like, I rolled me a blunt of some sort of sativa. <laughs> Literally, I was like, I gotta do it. Like, this is like my favorite record on the album. We'll yeah. And so I went in, wrote a treatment, gave it to them the next day. They ended up taking it and liking it. She loved it, felt like it was very into mm -hmm. what it is that you know she aligned herself with visually, even though it had nothing to do with weed, the treatment. I made it out of yeah. my sci-fi, anime, weirdo angle. Yeah, yeah, not, yeah. This, the video has nothing to do with weed. But it was your angle. It was your yeah, perspective. It was, it was my perspective. Like, I love androids and anime. I said, I want you to be, like, made or created by Ray Shrimbert. And you come out as, like, a ghost in the shell android from a pod. And you're really on a spaceship. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I think like this. And then to come to find out we're both Pisces. Okay. Shout out to all the Pisces out there. Um yeah, so it was like it worked organically. Did you meet her in person? When did, when did you first meet her in person? Hmm. The first hello. First hello, I think I was invited to. Was it before this moment? You had you met her already? No, hadn't. Okay, so you hadn't wrote the treatment all. for. Wrote the treatment. We talking. We talked on the phone. Okay, about so you, that treatment. So you got to, to talk to her. Was yeah, it a so FaceTime or just a? Just on the phone. Okay. Yeah, so we talked on three with her and her manager. Then finally, she said, hey, this vision was so intact, I think we should meet. Mm. So I ended up going to where she had lived at the time, got to meet the people that were on, that was actually like on her team. Yeah. Uh, and then from there, we talked within like 10 minutes of talking like, hey, so what type of photography, whatever you like. And I told her my little vision. She's like, I think there's more here than just this video. Right. And I didn't even know what a creative director was at the time. Mm. And as I leave her house, her manager calls me and she goes, I don't know what the fuck you did or what you said or what vibe y'all caught. But, and I, kn I know my my girl, she's like, she's like, she's like, Janae, like a daughter to me. She wants you to be her creative director, I'm feeling. I'm like, what, what, is, like, what, is, what does that even mean? <laughs> yeah. 
And so it just tumbled from there. We got the video done. It got executed how it went. It's still her most viewed video of her wow. career by far. And it's, to me, the most special thing I had ever done personally because it was my initiation to like the industry yes. at a high level. Yes. So I'm happy it got executed. But that was our introduction was doing that. And she said, man, within three weeks, she had me on her tour. Like, wow. I was editing something else and I got a call saying, can you be in Detroit tomorrow? <laughs> I'm like, why? She goes, Janae wants you to be on the show. She thinks maybe you could help with what's playing on the screens. Because right. the, this guy making the screens background is like generic. What should be back there? Maybe we should shoot something else. Yeah, the visuals know? on the LED walls. Yeah. yeah but it's like, well, what do you even think? Come out to Detroit. So I get flown out the next day, a couple weeks later, out, out of nowhere. And I'm like, now I'm on tour. And now we're just on tour with her and Willow Smith. And I just don't know what life is. Because I was already, I had just come off of a tour. Yeah. And I'm on another one, but at a level where I'm not the background dude. You're like actually adding your taste level I'm not, to the production. Yeah, I'm not shooting people on stage, putting the vision together and pointing. I'm literally standing on stage with one of my favorite artists going, do you think the screen's too small? It's like, yeah. And should we have red and amber and purple or switch that around? I'm like, honestly, I don't even know. But uh, yeah, go for that. Yeah. <laughs> right, but yeah. no, but it was really cool. It's been cool ever since. How would you describe her as a person? A light, mm. a living light. And she's like a sister to me now. So it's like we have, it's like funny, annoying, because like we think the same way. It's like we all, it's like I know why you're doing that. Mm. So I totally forgive you for why you're doing that. Right. It's like I'm seeing a reflection of myself because like, I get it, or as a creative, as an artist, like I get it. So it's really funny, but she's incredible, and really um, been a really integral part to my career, creative process, and things that I've been able to execute with her. That she's allowed me to execute with her. I've really been appreciative of it. She lets me actually go to the far extent, you know, with my imagination that I think a lot of other artists, you know, they might. She gives you room. Gives me room to explore mm -hmm. and actually be a part of the project at the oils of it, you know? Yes. So. And if you could send a message to your 17 year old self mm. from the future, what would you say? That guy was really funny. Um, he was actually funnier than I am now. Uh, I would honestly tell 17-year-old version of myself, timing is not yours. Allow everything to happen. And every little thing that you've already kind of wanted to do, you'll be able to do. So don't rush anything. Because I did a lot of rushing, thinking I didn't have time, mm. which is acceptable. But now I can look back and it's like, I had nothing to worry about this entire time. And I could give 17-year-old me a, a heavy dose of reassurance mm. that everything I thought wouldn't happen. I saw a lot of people leave early, so I thought maybe I wouldn't be able to experience certain things. Mm. There was no need to rush. Mm. What, uh, what compliment would you give to your 17-year-old self? You were so much more fashionable. You look, you look <laughs> good. Bape? Huh. <laughs> It's grailed now, but you were on it. <laughs> you know, but um, also, I he was in line with because I, I came into high school. 
I, I came out of private school into this public high school that I had that mm-hmm. I went to, right? And I feel like seventeen year old me was onto something mm. because I went from obviously I didn't know anybody in that school system to at the end of high school I won homecoming king. Mm. Right. So it's like I had to gain a vote of um a popular vote somehow. Yeah. I didn't even know how I got it, but that energetically showed me that dude, you're you're working between the lines socially. Yes. Academically, you're you're using all your talents. I won best dress twice in a row in school. I said, You're on to something, bro. Like, <laughs> like you're, you're doing a couple of things, but like I, I didn't have it all the way down, but I was doing so much and I would just say thank you to seventeen year old me for like already wanting to do so much because that's I'm not trying to let him down and even younger than him maybe seven-year-old me I'm not trying to let either one of those guys down because I know how much they were trying Mm. so I'm very appreciative to seven-year-old me for wanting so much because I still can't not do that now yes I can't let that go because you're so annoying me because you're sitting there like bro we said if like you ever got a chance to be around Pharrell or do Pharrell things you would do that right you're in the industry, you doing what? You better make a song. We love music. Can't let that down. What's something that you thought was one way when you were 17 years old that now you realize you were wrong about? Hmm. How we see people. Yeah? In what way? Every way. Whether it's something as surface as like how you look at people's appearance mm. and what lies beneath that. Um, we talked about mental health earlier, right? Yeah. Before you see people go through actual mental stress, um, go through maybe waves of either attempting or completing suicides, you, you don't know what people are going through. When you're young, you feel less inflicted by these things. You don't know. Right. That there's so much more to every single life. There's so much life being lived. Obviously, I never traveled. So you have no idea what globally is going on in certain countries, economies, lifestyles, philosophies. You don't know anything. So I realize there is so much more to life at every level. What you see, just because I see in my area, people that look like this are usually from here. Well, in this country, people like that are actually from here and speak this language. Like, wow, I never knew that. Right. Just as simple as that. You're from Brazil, right? Yeah. The largest black population or African descendant population besides the continent of Africa. People here don't know that. They think besides Africa, the most (laughs) black people, so to speak, are in North America in the United States. No. And they don't know that there's more people that are black that speak Portuguese mm. and Spanish than mm. there are those that speak English. English. So what is blackness? Black, they think, oh, so black. what is blackness? Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I hear things like I'm a real nigga. It's like that. That terminology is crazy because we are so diverse. But that's something you wouldn't know unless you travel. So you look at blackness in a very linear perspective. You look at um, the Latinx culture in a linear perspective because you don't know their global diaspora. Look at API in a limited perspective. What's API? Asian Pacific Islander. Okay. In a certain perspective, because you don't know. You don't, you've never been, never experienced. So I feel like, yeah, people, there's just so much more to life, bro, and people, which lends to everything else. What does it mean to be black? Um, to you? Everything, and technically, it, it didn't, it's been inscripted what it meant, because it could have meant a lot 
to us differently. Mm. So a lot of what it now means, like, oh, it means this, it means perseverance. A lot of that was like inflicted upon us. Mm. So now it's like, when I stand on Black is Proud, it's because I wish I didn't have to be overtly fighting for my pride, proud, just proud, how other people are proud. Right. Not proud in the face of adversity. Mm. I wish I could just love it because it was loved not mm. love it because it's so hated by so many people. Or so you have many to love as a sense of rebellion. Right. I have to use certain words as catalyst to my character. Like what? Nigga. Mm. It's an endearing term. Mm. It's like I use, we use that as, it's it's actually lifts you up, right? But it's like, that's crazy that that's what I lift myself up with. But to me, um, it's beautiful. It's as infinite as the blackness in the universe that we see because there's one color that does dominate everything and absorbs and contains all light, and that is the infinite blackness. And I think that alone sends me a message genealogically and universally as to what everything is and what we all came from because mm. only one thing is infinite. And if you also can't touch it, if you took a cup right now and went through outer space and all the infinite black, you could never bottle it, could you? Mm. That's how I feel about it. That's how I feel about myself. What is love? God and thus everything. What does it mean to be an American? It's fun. I'm just kidding. Um... I think it means as much as it it means as much to me as it means to be Russian if I was living in Russia or Irish if I was living in Ireland or Kenyan if I was living in Kenya it would it feels like something because it's my reality. It can't be anything more or less than being something. It depends on my national pride, right? Right. Do you have national pride? I'd say not much. Hmm. Because I'm not a son of this nation i'm a son of a world of mm. an i of an ideal of a like we said a universal creator so i don't have to feel an overt amount of nationalism yes to a land yes and then to be quite frank i have indigenous and african blood in me mm. so to be married to a concept that was perpetuated and polluted by peoples not of this place would be demeaning to those that are actually in my bloodline Yes. To it's, take national pride in something that was taken. I couldn't necessarily do that. It's like if you had your if you're at your mom's house and someone kicks your mom out of that house and you still have to live there, you're like, do you rock with your new tenants? You rock with your you are you down with that? Do you represent this house? You're like, I like the house, I guess, because it's the construct and I'm and I'm in it. That's the bed, but I don't think y'all are like the greatest thing ever to come into my existence i'd much rather have you think of the context of how you got the house yeah yeah nope i don't love 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 you like this is it nah that would be disrespectful to my mom whom in which you kicked out it's her house but yeah i guess i like the house because of the nostalgia and i have to be here but i actually don't have to be here that's a choice as well which is also an interesting one too People move. We have friends that we talked to today that moved to, uh, was it Switzerland? Yeah. They're just like, oh, we don't have to live in America. They're like, we're out. 
there's so much world. There's so there's so many nations. We have hundreds of countries. Like, why do you feel like that one vertical is it? And that's the reality. And that is providence or success or like this is freedom. Living here is like the best thing in the world. But then I also flip and people will feel that way about their country, too. Yeah. And don't think anything of us. We're not even in their reality. I went to Japan and I realized they're not thinking anything about Americans in their present everyday doings. We could be as irrelevant as when we're here. Do we think about it? No. Right. And I think, yeah, traveling is what did that most was opening up what's really going on and how you can have a reality in a whole different place and it doesn't matter. You had a whole reality in a whole different nation in South America. That was your world. Yeah. Now you're here, but since you travel, you know, like, this isn't the only way. These aren't the only cereal brands. These aren't the only cars. Right. These aren't the only businesses or cell phone companies. People don't even realize every country has to have a cell phone company. You think it's just AT&T, Verizon, Sprint, whoever, worldwide, all unified? No. Yeah. Everything needs everything. And different belief systems, too. Customs. Customs, food, laws. When, when I went to Mexico for vacation this year... I was reminded of a different perspective on the workforce because the people that mm. served us in Mexico had pride in their work. They were happy to be there serving. They were like, hey, you were here. We're glad we got your business. Right. Let us show up. I'm happy I have a job. I'm showing up with it. Right. Because I have the job. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, wow. Not everybody has to hate their job, even if they are just mopping floors. Some people are happily mopping floors. Mm-hmm. It gave me perspective. American dream, though, I guess, like, this is nothing, right? Because we want to talk up or down and hierarchize everything. I think we lack perspective when it comes to time. Mm-hmm. Because if you, if you were to ask somebody, let's just go 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. And you say, hey, what does a rich life look like to you? A lot of poor people now are living what rich life looked like 40. Okay, let's even say 100 years ago. Yeah. People didn't have electricity or like not much. It really only came out like in the early 1900s. Relative. Right? Currency. Late 1800s. Mm-hmm. Like the, the richest kings and queens didn't have Netflix. They couldn't hear all the songs they wanted to. They didn't have an ice cold drink if they lived somewhere warm. Right. They could only get it in the winter. Yep. Like ice. That convenience. You could be the richest person in the world. You could not get ice unless you just had somebody carry shit over from a cold place and hope it didn't melt by the time it get there. Right. Intense. That's quite perspective setting. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. I think about that. I think about the luxuries we have. The fact that back in the day, if you wanted to hear Mozart, mm-hmm. you had to be there. Yeah. Like in the room with him. Yeah. There's no other way. There's no recording, right? To go back and pick up no matter how much you have. If there was a great joke told, it lived and died in that room. Mm -hmm. We can laugh at an Eddie Murphy joke from 30 years ago. We can capture that moment, relive that emotion now. Yeah. That's a new thing. Humans weren't able to do that. Isn't that crazy? That we have the ability to experience things over and over again. And that there was a time where you couldn't. Are you optimistic about the future? Yes. Why? Faith, one thing, mm. but also optimism would be me based on... And I mean not just your future, the future. The future. Optimism is would be based on what I feel subjectively, right? Or what mm. people call like, 
okay, optimistic meaning do I feel good about it, meaning do I feel like good things are going to happen? First of all, I feel like all things are going to happen anyway. So how can you feel optimistic or not optimistic? It's just going to be. Right, there's going to be challenges and opportunities. Or And then there's my time is only limited to between zero and 100 years in the entire span of time. So I guess I should feel optimistic because it's just going to keep on rolling. Regardless. Regardless. And then just, just going to keep on going. So it's like, oh, you don't think, think, think bad things are going to happen in the future? I mean, what is considered bad? The natural occurrence of something based on a pattern, based on, and then it, it, it occurs. And then maybe right. it's something is deadened or something is birthed. Either which way. Do we consider... Since we're living in the future of what the dinosaurs experience, would you ask dinosaurs, should they feel optimistic about the future? <laughs> because they're going to die, right? right? But it's like the world's going to keep staying beautiful. It's like nothing was had or lost. And if the world itself, maybe this planet was destroyed, it's like, do I feel good about the future? Cause you said in all things. Right. The whole thing, if Earth is there or not, is going to keep on rolling. So it's like you gotta. You, I can't really feel anything about the future. It's gonna be. From that perspective, it almost seems counterproductive to be up to be pessimistic, because you're gonna die regardless. Yes. And would you rather be pessimistic and be right, or be optimistic and be wrong? Like I'd rather just go. Why not? And there's nothing it, it all wrong. Comes. There's nothing wrong because it's not bad. It, it just occurred. It's bad to me. Depending on your perspective. Right. Whatever happens is like, oh, I think that's bad because of how that turned out. The winner or loser of a war. Right. Have different perspectives. Have different perspectives. Two like people the, watch the same baseball game, basketball game. Winner and loser. That was a great game. That was a horrible game. Same game. Same game. I think today was the worst day. Today was the best day. Why? Because I won. Oh, you lost. And that's even from a perspective standpoint, right? When Yanni and I went to visit the Mayan pyramids and that was in Tulum. It was in Tulum, right? The that's beautiful. Chichen Itza. Yeah, yeah. Mm. They were um, telling us that they would play these games. These tribes would get, and I might be butchering the story, but mm. essentially it's kind of like a soccer game Yeah. where the winner gets to die for God. Wow. Where the See, highest yeah. honor is to play the game and get the ball through that thing uh -huh. so and that you die. get to be the one to sacrifice your life for God. They're like, yes, we won. We get to die tonight. Yeah. And so, and that's perspective on like, oh, do I feel optimistic about it? I feel like technically, yeah, but just being it. And yeah, I guess I am optimistic. Yeah. I'm happy about it. I know it's coming and just, just rock out. Being present, you know, from the books that we read, a lot of people speak about the present moment, whether it's, we say Tole. Right. Joe Dispenza. Mm-hmm. Right? We're all talking about present moment. We read, um, me and my friends, my girl, we read books by Ernest Holmes. Mm. Right? Everyone lends back to the one creator and then also present moment. Mm -hmm. And how that's where you feel life is revealed and personified based on how present you are. And that's why... In so many books and the Bible, presence is spelled with a capital P. Mm, I didn't know that. His presence, the presence, because God's presence, is all, it's always capital P. 
So to be present is to be able to be aware in totality of moment, blessing, and creation. Be like, wow, I realize I'm in a room manifested none by me. Hmm. But I am as real as it all is. And I exist with it, through it. And I'm only here, come to go. There's been so many people. Have you ever thought about how many people have like ever existed in general? Yeah. As, and like they seem to like just be maybe just a means of us being here. We don't cry over the fact that there's more people that have died that have died than are living currently. Right. We have, we feel no remorse about it. But you do cry over one person that you like, that's a celebrity that might pass from overdose. Mm-hmm. You might feel bad about one relative that's close to you that passes, but you don't worry about the fact of billions of billions people. Billions of people. Have died. Yeah. So it's, see, it's all relative. Wow. So in the universal thing, it's like the optimism is like, it's just all going to happen. Yeah. So rock on right now. Don't even worry about the future. I feel happy or sad about it. It's like, it's going to be what it's going to be. So I would like to reside more so in the present. And we have an opportunity to choose too. Brazzy down. That's my doggy. Oh, yes. He's like, I love the podcast. Okay, Brazilito down. Come here. Come, come. Come here, buddy. He was really feeling the vibe. Dog whisperer. <laughs> um, if all your work was deleted, mm-hmm. never to be seen again, and today was your last day, mm-hmm. but you could leave the world with uh, one billboard, let's say, that everybody could see, what message would be on that billboard? You can do it, too. Mm. That was easy. I feel that that's powerful because it could be interpreted so many different ways. Because it's true. It's all possible. You could do it too, meaning you could find the love of your life. You could fuck everything up. Mm -hmm. You could win the lottery. You could have your heart broken. It's all, you could do it too. You could exist. That's not guaranteed. What is it like one in several trillion that we exist at having life? Swimming champions. You're right. You know, like, hey, mm-hmm. ah, we're going to get there. We're <laughs> there. We're in the sea. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, that to me is like what I would probably say, you know, if it's like just a message. I was so crazy. I was like, oh, do I have freedom with this billboard? Can I like make it have like a video screen and play sound at the same time? Because I would go out with like, they deleted all my shit, y'all. And I'm about to I'm about to get up out of here. But um here's a record, a visual presentation, and it's gonna transfer, you know, <laughs> okay, good. All right, check out. <laughs> you can yeah. do it too. You can do it too, though, if I could. You can do it too. You can do it too. Yes. I used to program my mind with these audio mixtapes. From Jim Rohn. Are you familiar with Jim Rohn? Yeah. Wow. OG. Wow. And there's this guy named, I think named Roy Smooth on um, Spotify that okay. took clips from his speeches and put beats behind them and made them like hypnotic sound things. That's just that's him really tight. from his speeches where he's like, first you have to believe in what's possible. Then you have to believe that it's possible, that it's possible for you. 
right? And they would, and the beats would go like, and it's like, believe that it's possible for you. Believe, believe. And it would, I would literally just yeah. hypnotize myself with that. And I'm so grateful that we have technology that was recorded from some speech from some old white guy in California in the 80s before I was born. Come on. And some house music DJ thought to blend them together. And, just and then you. I'm bumping it. Right. After that guy's dead and his speech in some ballroom in some hotel is giving me vibes and insight. Right. And inspiration. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful, man. I'm really grateful. I'm grateful for this conversation. Me too. This That's has been man. beautiful frequency. I appreciate it. This is a good show. I like I like the you said it was everything was G fourteen classified. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I had no idea where we would even go, but I liked and appreciate the fact the roadmap is not laid out. This conversation could be fully organic, so I'm very thankful. It's cool. Me too, man. Um, where can people find you? Where can they check out your projects if they want to keep up with you? Primarily, I I don't really have Twitter. I do have one, but I don't use it. But I stay on Instagram, created by eyes mainly. And then I have createdbyeyes.com, my website. And yeah, you guys can find me. And if you don't look for me, you'll have to see me. I'm going to be on your TV. I'm going to be on your radio or something. So either look for me or I will look for you. Thanks for coming, man. Bless you, man. I, this has been a beautiful conversation. Yes, bless you, man. You've got everything under control. I love this place. It's I'm inspired good. right now. This is excellent. You got me going. So I was like, I didn't know. I was very honored to be on this because you've done so many things. You're very accomplished in your career, your vision, your mindset. I'm glad, obviously, we haven't met in person until this time, but I, I'm glad it's under these circumstances and in your program. You know, when we FaceTime for the first time, just mm -hmm. a funny story, um, your boy got into an accident. Um, I was walking my dog. You were walking, yeah. <laughs> I was Down. walking Brazzy. And I went through the parking thing, not the resident entrance. It came down on you. And the and the the lift gate. The lift gate slammed. We were FaceTiming and it just hit me in the head. I just collapsed the ground. And I'm like, I'm like, Brazil. Brazil. You're like, oh man. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm like, and all I saw was your face. Literally, the screen was like here. And you know how you're like, it's that perspective of looking. Yeah. yeah. Down, so you went like, yeah. And he said, bro, I don't know how that happened. He stayed on the phone with me until I got home to yes. make sure I didn't have a concussion. I was so he was like, I won't hang up until you get home. I couldn't I couldn't hang up because I had I have a irrational fear. One of them as with someone else in this room, it's sharks. <laughs> Number two. It's what thing, lift gates. It's like things like lift gates, you know, you walk under something and be like, yeah, you gonna come down, you son of a and like I still feel traumatized about it. Every time you drive by it, my head rings you a little bit. I'm like, dun, oh. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun. Or if you got to like this place where you like, John Cena, like. <laughs> you can't see me because I didn't know how it came. I honestly didn't see it. Oh, I have a hair here. Oh, well, would you look at that? Dog hair. I didn't see it hit you. It came down so fast. You just left. Say <laughs> and you, you do film. It's just like. Have Cut a thing hit, it's like, spam. And I couldn't believe that you survived. You said, I'm okay. I'm okay. It's me and Brad. I'm just going to walk. I'm like, <laughs> I'm on. And I and it's funny because this is our first time. Ever FaceTime. Because yeah. I, I had something embarrassing. It's funny. It was with the dog as well. Yeah. As a recent. 
I get all into dogs. Like I love, I love your dog here. Uh huh. And I feel like, in a weird way, it was, oh, you're a dog whisperer. I just think because the energy is cool. Yeah. Um, I get so into this dog in the elevator mm-hmm. that by the time I looked up and the people they couldn't even tell me and warn me fast enough. I'm like, all right, dog, I'm out of here. The elevator doors had opened up and already were closing. Mm-hmm. I just walked full force, <laughs> face flat, nose flat, forehead. Said, All right, y'all have a good day. And when I tell you, I smacked my whole existence <laughs> into stainless steel. I felt like I was like the T-1000. I was just like, I was chrome, nigga. I was just like, pow! Like, Ten man. I was like, and it, it, all the door was going wrong. They just looked at me like, <coughs> your whole existence. My whole existence it. was like, <laughs> chakras realigned and everything. I was like, damn, it's um, such a pattern break because you're not expecting it. You're not like, you don't get just, contact. Yeah. I was like, oh. And I mean, I walked and I felt, and they, I didn't look back and they said, are you okay? I said, yep, I can't even look yeah, at you yeah. in your eye right now. <laughs> They said, okay, we'll get some. <laughs> I called my girl Amelia and said, I got to tell you, I think I um I get too distracted by dogs now because I can't get off an elevator correctly. Yeah. <laughs> Bad, uh, but dogs, they're sweet. They they, they Maybe they, we weren't supposed to be paying attention at the time or something. But well, yeah, that's, awesome. that's a great story to end it with. All right, everybody, thank you for watching. Uh, if you like this, subscribe, like, comment, share with your friends, and make sure you check my boy out, Created by Eyes. Dude, I'm so excited to see what you continue to create in the future. And something with you as well. Yeah. We shall. Yes, I, we shall. I can't wait for that. Make me make that a priority. We have the ingredients. Mm-hmm. And I have an oven. Mm. I have an oven. We made cookies last night, plant-based. Did you? Yeah, you should try them. What kind of cookies? Chocolate chip. Not infused with anything? No. I don't really fuck with edibles. Ours will be infused. Okay. Creatively. You see what I'm saying, dog? Yeah, yeah. Love it. Got me up. Thank mm. you. All right, everybody. This was my longest one, too. And it felt so natural. What were we? Two hours? Two two hours, 11 minutes. This happens on all my podcasts. I'm glad this is a theme. Let's go.